My name is James Rowlands. In 2015, I teamed up with my friend Dan White to create the Dubbing Our podcast. Since then, we have been giving you everything that's happened on the WWE Network. Now, in 2018, not only are we live for the big four events and every NXT takeover, but we celebrate 20 years since the birth of the Attitude Era. Plus, every month we bring you 205 Live, collections, new content, WWE pay-per-views and latest news on the WWE Network. Until we've watched everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's the WNR 178, it's a WWE Network Review for September. But before we do anything, let's start with the alternate intro. Revolution means change, don't look at me strange, so I can't repeat what other rappers be saying. You don't stand for something, you fall for anything. Harder than you think, it's a beautiful thing. Get up just like that. That is public enemy, harder than you think. I was going to do more, but I'll leave it as that. What's the intro, Dan? Every month, we review the latest content on the WWE Network, including collections, new programs, 205 Live, all the latest news, and the crown in the jewel of the WNR, the NXT update. Yes, but we start things off with the latest collections. So, September collections for WWE. The very first one is Stephanie McMahon, all business. Born into the WWE, Stephanie McMahon worked roles on the way to become one of the most powerful women in sports. Now is your chance to hear from the Chief Brand Officer herself and learn what it takes to get to the top as she sits down for an exclusive interview in this WWE Network collection. On screen, Miss McMahon's only daughter has an impressive lift of accomplishments. Women's Champion, SmackDown General Manager, one half of the authority and current Royal Commissioner. But her behind-the-scenes contributions continue to stand in all the WWE as CBO... Stephanie McMahon drives various brands, initiatives, and man's world with WWE's women's evolution. Oh, yeah, remember that classic match she had with her dad? Yeah, well, yeah, I do you know what? That was sickening, because McMahon choked her out with a lead pipe in that one. That was no mercy. Uh, her earliest appearance as well, where she uh, was, was going to be sacrificed by The Undertaker, I remember that. <laughs> Got on the, yeah. the crucifix and Austin <laughs> saving her. The man helms the era, era where she uh, finally turned on Vincent Man at Armageddon and sided with, uh, well, not a then, uh, Triple H, and of course, all throughout there. What, when was your, what was your favourite Stephanie, if you had to pick a Stephanie you liked the most? I don't know, I think it was when she joined with Shane. And, you know, they became the face of WCW slash ECW. The Alliance. And the Alliance. Uh, she, she owned ECW. Yeah, and it's interesting uh, because her feud with Jericho as well, where uh, it seemed to be her problem. Like, the McMahon's kind of paired off, obviously, with Vince and, and Austin. Shane kind of had problems with The Rock. And it was uh, Stephanie with Jericho. And um, then them getting together in the end. I mean, yeah, I mean, Stephanie... 
I could give or take her, you know. I, I like, I don't mind him in small, small doses. I don't like the fact that women's evolution is kind of, you know, all sort down to Stephanie. But at least they're doing it, you know. So yeah, you know, I, I'm again, I'm with you. I, I don't think it should all be about Stephanie. I think it should be about the women that have made it what it is. You know, your Trish Stratuses, your Mickey Jameses, you know, and even far back as Mae Young and not the fabulous Muda because she's a cunt. <laughs> Well, our next collection. Well, yes, up next we've got the Hardys Team Extreme and behold the twist of fate and don't be deleted. Relive the very best of the Hardys with this WWE Network collection. Team Extreme signature high risk style and never say die attitude has made them one of WWE's mic teams. Witness Matt and Jeff's most defining moments and epic encounters from groundbreaking TLC matches with Edge and Christian and the Dudleys to their triumphant return at WrestleMania 33. Whether leading the charge in the tag team division of the Attitude Era or reinventing themselves over a decade later, experience why this definitive collection truly is wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Hardys were number one on our list of our top tag teams of all time. And there's a reason for it, just going through this collection. The ladder match between uh, the Harleys and Edge and Christian at No Mercy Night Night 9. It's a fantastic effort for these guys. Especially when you look at the crowd. They are not into it to begin with. But by the end, they are given standard ovations. The tables match the Harleys had with the Dudleys at Royal Rumble 2000. I think it's really, really underrated. Uh, and, and plus a lot of other stuff that Harley did. It weren't all just about big stunts, you know. It was just a kind of about your con- your connection to them, you know, yeah. and, and uh, I think it was... Really- even had Brother versus v- Brother at Vengeance 2001 when Lita was the guest referee, you know, and uh, even against Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I, I mean, they, 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 they kind of, they got tasked with putting Brock Lesnar over uh, when Lesnar first debuted in uh, 2002 and it was handicapped matches and Lesnar just beating them up. Uh, and the Hardys have been for a hell of a lot. Like WrestleMania 25, it was Matt versus Jeff in a, a no-holds-barred match, so to speak. So, you know, there's a lot of history. And then coming back, and of course, that moment at WrestleMania uh, in the ladder match and everything they've kind of done since. But our next uh, collection is new classic content for September 2018. Exclusively on the network, experience 50 new hours of WWE's very first weekly televised series, All-Star Wrestling. Venture back to the old Hamburg Fieldhouse and witness, witness the origins of W Hall of Famers like Pedro Morales, Jesse Body Ventura, Sergeant Slaughter, Hulk Hogan and many more. Get a small taste through this classic content collection featuring 10 prominent episodes of the W All-Star Wrestling from 1980 to 1982. Uh, and I mean, just one match there, Dan, to everybody wet their appetite with. Jim Duggan takes on the fabulous Hulk Hogan, <laughs> which would be, you know... I think that'd be a great match. You've got uh, Don Morocco going against Pedro Morales for the Intercontinental Championship. And Tyne going against Pedro Morales for the IC title again. Um, there's loads, you know, Bob Buckland going against Hans Schroeder. Yeah, well, Hans Schroeder is very famous submissions. Uh, but like I said, the Intercontinental title feud between Don Morocco and Pedro Morales is kind of infamous. Go back and watch that. The fabulous Hulk Hogan before become the immortal Hulk Hogan as well. So there is a lot of history. Uh, collections coming soon or in October. Oh, we actually get more collections this month as well. Kurt Hawkins, nothing to lose, September the seventeenth. We've got Leon Tigger versus Triple H, which is September twenty seventh. Stone Cold versus McMahon, part three, coming in October. And of course, a million dollar man coming in October. All right, so collections and uh, full of Kurt Hawkins, nothing to lose. 
WWE Network collection. Well, Kurt Hawkins, nothing to lose. In life, everyone loses. But with over 200 straight losses, no one has learned more from losing than Kurt Hawkins. Join the self-proclaimed Prince of Queens for a unique look at some of the most devastating losses in the history of WWE to see why all these setbacks simply present an opportunity to get better. So, when you feel down, pick yourself up, dust yourself off. There's no shame in defeat when there's nothing to lose. Uh, So that's something that's going to keep me uh, happy at the moment because the reason why the delay on the podcast, you should just mention it quickly, is... uh, Dan got arrested. <laughs> we, uh, we had to delay it. <laughs> no, no, we didn't. No, no I've, I've been quite ill recently. So James, no one cares. No, I'm just going to tell him. They do care. They still don't care. They do care. They do. No, uh, so, yeah, I've not been well recently. So, uh, if I'm not well, it means the podcast does grind to a halt. <laughs> so, that's why we're a week behind at the moment. But we plan... So, James, to how sick are you? Well, the other day, I woke up in bed next to my mum. But I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go into details about why I've been ill. So, you know, like I say, it's a personal It's matter, been coming it? out both ends, <laughs> literally. <laughs> whoop, whoop, no, whoop. it's a bit more serious than that. But, uh, yeah, we move on. And like I say, we've got a lot to cover and a lot to bring you still. And we hope to all catch up. So there's a little bit of delay on these podcasts. And, hope you know, let's hope we can get things sorted by then. So new content. Uh, so it's August 20th to September 14th, which was our cutoff for new content on WWE Network. And we had W40 shoot, 20th of August, which was The Flares. Did you watch that? I watched it, yes. What did you think? Um, it was more of a promo for the uh, WWE 2K game, but there was, a, there was a few interesting pictures. I can't remember what happened. It was a while ago that I watched it. <laughs> but you did watch it. But I did watch Good. it, yes. Uh, w Music Power 10, which is the 20th of August, which is basically all the, uh, the great entrances of the month. No Bubba Reed Day, was there? Yeah. I got against the Ascension. Yeah. All right. And we had WWE Storytime. Episode 2 was How Embarrassing. 2. Episode 3 was Strange Settings. And episode 4, New Beginnings, which was the 10th of September. I've watched a few of these WWE Storytimes. Uh, there's there's about three or four stories per episode. I think the episodes only go on for about 20 minutes, if that. Mm. There's some quite funny ones. Um, I think... One that stands out is uh, Ric Flair's one where he was uh, on an air, air uh, he was on a flight. I don't know if you've seen this one, but um, you know people loved Ric Flair. Like there was about four, five, six uh, beautiful stewardesses on, the, and they was going on about the robe. Oh yeah, we love the robe, we love the robe. And he says, well, you know, I can't wear the robe. I've got my clothes on. They're like, I'll take your clothes off. And of course, Flair doesn't need to be uh, told twice to do things like that. So he goes back and he's stark bollock naked underneath his um, underneath his outfit. And, uh, yeah, that's where the story ends, unfortunately. He doesn't go into too much detail about what <laughs> happened. what happened after that, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, like I said, I mean, it's a bit hit and miss, isn't it? Um, so that's not a miss, and it's definitely a hit for me, which is 17th of August. Insight into Joe the path to SummerSlam. Much like he did with Nakamura in his path to uh, WrestleMania, this just kind of showed Joe on the road. And I think some of that guy who's been working as hard as he has uh, to show what it takes to actually make it at the top. Uh, I, I think it's a great little insight, you know. Uh, we had Hidden Gems as well. Uh, yes, and that was Star Wars, WCCW, February 22nd, 1981. It's basically their version of WrestleMania. Yeah, I really do love the Hidden Gems at the moment. We had the Future in Florida, which is Ambrose and Sandow versus Cesaro and Rollins. 
Yeah, so more on WWE Hidden Gems are on the way. Last week we saw two uploads that centred around May Young Classic Stars from years gone past. And uh, Hiroyo Masamuto was one of them. Yeah, and this is what we're going to watch now quickly. It's, uh, like I said, Mako Satomura teaming with uh, Hall of Famer Medusa. And these are little things that maybe people didn't know about that are on the network. And we talked being kind of veteran on the main... Satomoto, Masamoto. Masamoto being a kind of legend on the... Um, I've not been well, Dan. On the WWE <laughs> Network. Uh, so we've not, you know, seen them for 20 years. And this is going back to... Uh, WCW Saturday night called Sonny Ono uh, coming down the ring with Akira Hakotu and I'll let you pronounce these I know you love Japanese names Kuruyo Kuruyo and um, it's a weird little bunch I mean in, in 1995 WCW did try the women's division and so this is what we're going to see here Saturday night was their kind of second show was their first show until Nitro came around and they're not going to be happy uh, but like you talked about hidden gems, this week's similar, but with three new gems. Two videos will feature May Young Classic commentators, while one features the May Young Classic star. The two matches come from development and highlight Beth Phoenix and Caitlin, but also feature the likes of Katie Lee, Rosa Mendez, and TNA's One Dirty Bitch. Third video features Raw and May Young Classic commentator Renee Young's edition tape for the company. Well, below are the three WWE hidden gems coming this week, and that is OVW. Uh, 14th of October 2006 and that is Legend of the Phoenix and WWE Hall of Famer Beth Phoenix defends her OVW Women's Championship against ODB and Kate Lee in a triple threat action yeah we got FCW which was uh, 16th of January forging a path prior to becoming mainstays in WWE's women's division for several years Kate and Rosa Mendes face off in this contest from FCW February, March, April, May, June. 8th of June, 2012. Thinking on your feet, Renee Young demonstrates her incredible gift of gab in this rarely seen audition tape from the start of her career in WWE. In most of I remember Eric Bischoff's one that he had in WWF. It was um, Vince Mann said, there's a pen, sell it to me. He sell me this pen. And if you can sell me the pen, then you can become a commentator. You obviously failed at that. But with Renee Young's audition, she's a little bit more successful. Well, sell me the pen. It's like, well, I'll give you a million pound if you can write your name on this bit of paper. Well, I haven't got a pen. Well, do you want to buy mine for two million? Ah, there you go. Well, this match has started on uh, Hidden Gems. And Masamoto started this one, but now just been taken over by the hills. And this does not look good at all. Double boot to the face. Referee's got control of this. <coughs> uh, it said Medusa, Dan's an excellent point. You know, former Hall of Famer, women's champion in the WWF. More famously came over to WCW in the uh, the fall and threw the WWE Women's Championship in the bin. A kind of uh, sign of disrespect there. And the WWF uh, Women's Championship wasn't used again until 1998. You see, they had the effect that had on the industry at that time. About this moment in time, it's... Matsumoto getting worked on by Hokotu and Kahua. Oh, they're taunting her. They say, Come on, Medusa, do you want the tag? No, you don't. Well, Matsumoto in all sorts of trouble at the moment. And the hills want to end this Irish whip. Oh, but Matsumoto comes across with a flying crossbody. Can she get the tag in to Medusa? Yeah, we does. go. Hot tag. She's on fire, baby. And Medusa now going straight in. <laughs> Straight, she's not this about. Puts her head between her legs. Oh, but a shift in momentum gets the. Uh, can she kick out? Oh, she does barely. 
Well, that didn't look pretty, but now the hill's going to team up with Medusa. Finish her off. And uh, we've got Cassie Sono's dad on the outside. Sonny. Nice double close on there by Medusa. Is that actually Sonny? Is that Cassie Sono's? You learn things every day. And oh my God, look at this. Oh my God. Masamoto and Medusa just get taken out by the hills. I believe Sonny Ono has something to do with that, but Masamoto's left alone in the ring. Gets caught by one off the top. Beautiful scent on there. Medusa going after Ono. Oh, taken out by the other. Big drop kick, but it's still not finished with it yet. Northern Lights, one, two, three. Wow, they lost that one. Uh, <laughs> unlucky for Micah Satamora and Medusa, but well done, Akira Kotu and Kurura. You do feature on the WWE Network review, uh, so fair play to you girls. So, Hidden Gems. Here we go. So, WWE Hidden Gems. They, they, new ones come every Thursday. And this one's quite a special one. I think we'll watch it. It's from July 9th, 2001. And it is AJ Styles' WWE debut in a dark match. So, it's just before access or anything else comes on. Uh, and we think about the kind of history that AJ Styles has now. Like 45% not holding the um, WWE championship and now look at him is this the aj styles you remember it is yes he's gone from uh he's gone from a rebelous kid and now he looks like the mother of a rebelous kid <laughs> yeah he's got the short trunks short hair and they're gonna like, aj we know he's going against i think jason striker no rick michaels rick michaels in this one i don't know where that fuck name comes from <laughs> here we go colin elbow tarps to start you can see how dead the crowd are. You've got the uh, security coming around. If only they knew. I know, exactly. Do you think anybody thought, oh yeah, this man's going to be W champion in 17 years' time? And that's not Rick Michaels. Big hip toss takeover from AJ. Another hip toss. He's selling that well. Now a clothesline. No big boot and he does the flip. So you see, that's what Styles can do. Well, Rick Michaels, he's, uh, he made his debut November the 10th, 1997, uh, 1991, sorry. He debuted for ECW under the gimmick of Super Ninja and lost to Hurricane Curry. PWF, 93 to 99. Uh, NWA, Bad Attitude, 99 to 2001. WWE, 2004 to 2005. He was hired by WWE as a tailor but was released from his contract in 2005. He's uh, He returned to WWE in 2007 after a hiatus, and he's still wrestling now. Uh, he was ranked 379th for the top 500 singles wrestlers in the PWI 500 in 2002. Wow. NWA Tag Team Champion with da- David Young. Hillside, NWA Hillside Tag Team Champion twice with David Young. Couple of drop kicks by AJ Styles there. Well, a triple triple threat or hat trick of drop kicks, but Rick Michaels has taken control. Nice oh, ripping AJ, but AJ catching him going behind. Roll up two. Oh, but a kick out by Michaels. Ah, uh-huh. drop toe hold. Styles going for the cover after that, but Michaels gets shoulder up at two. Two. Now side headlock by AJ. Turned into a backdrop there from Michaels. Thing is, weird no commentary as well. On the, the actual videotape, you can see the, like, the kind of timer. And obviously the pitch is not great either, but AJ throws him in a corner. 
<laughs> literally steps on his chest and springboards off. So he gets turned into a, like a pop-up jawbreaker and followed up by a super kick, turns Styles inside out. And the fans actually start to... There we go. See, AJ starts to get a few fans. Michaels picks him up, slams him down. There's no way that that man in the ring would become some new champion by the look of him. Here, Michaels off the top. Gets caught by Styles. He lifts the boot. Right hand blocked by Styles. He delivers a right of his own. Clotheslines Michaels down. Oh, looking for the Styles clash. Hits it. Oh, and that gets a reaction from the crowd as well. Rolls him over, but it goes too far. He's not finished for him. He could go for the cover. And he's going up. Oh! Shooting star one, two, three. And Styles getting a victory. They don't want none. (laughs) No, the fans seem to be enjoying AJ Styles there. I mean, what could have been? If they signed him after this performance and... Used him, you know, in the, the cruiserweight division. It would have probably been completely different to what it was, you know. But instead, he had that career outside. Yeah, I think that works better for him. Because, you know, if, if he had come in in 2001, it was at the end of the Attitude Era, start of the Ruthless Era, I think he would have been outshadowed by a few of the existing wrestlers. Whereas now, you know, going away and then coming back an even bigger name than he would have been in WWE, I think. Yeah, no, I, I got... I have to completely agree with you there, but it's quite good. Cause that's what hidden gems are good about. You know, you can go back and look what it, you know, and have a lot of what ifs as well. Uh, if if it could have happened or not, and there's a lot of stuff like that. You know, with, with wrestlers going into even the development leagues or even other promotions. You know, Scott Hall in ECW and stuff like that. People might not think actually happened. You know, uh, but we move on and we start two o five live, uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to go back. And watch the cruiserweight title match that happened on Summers. We didn't watch it. We were a little bit busy doing something then. Now, what were we doing that day? I can't really remember. We were doing our live show. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were doing our live shows. So, uh, we were doing that. So, we didn't see the cruiserweight title match in its entirety. So, we're going to watch it now. Give it a commentate and uh, see how good it was. I'm going to go Cedric Alexander in this one, though. <laughs> I think there's going to be a new champion. <laughs> and it is going to be... No, I'm done. No. Do you want a bonus point on live, please? Do you want to go fuck yourself? No, all right, maybe not then. So we start off with this one. We've seen the feud leading up to uh, Alexander versus Gulak. Gulak being using Jack Haha and Brian Kendrick to kind of attack Cedric, but they are barred from ringside tonight. They're banned. It's banned and barred the same thing, isn't it? So they're, they're, whatever it is, they're not allowed to be at ringside. So in a one-on-one contest, the question is, can Gulak beat Cedric Alexander. Uh, what are your thoughts of Cedric's cruiserweight title reign? I think he's been good. You know, he's he's probably been one of the most impressive cruiserweight champions that we've seen. You know, obviously there's there's not a hard mantle to follow with some of the uh, the shambles that have uh, been champion, and I'll use that term loosely. Well, don't be so hard on Neville. I don't know if uh, Alexander's had a great cruiserweight title reign, the, the former champions as that, but has he really delivered... Kind of great matches. I remember uh, Cruiserweight title match against Buddy Murphy. But apart from that, he's, I don't really think anything else. And he's not really been featured on pay-per-views as such. This is the first pay-per-view that will be featured on since um, the Greatest Royal Rumble. So it'll be interesting to see if that can actually have an impact here. And Drew going for the Gulak. But Alexander's so quick. 
I think he was kind of capitalising on a small mistake there by Cedric Alexander after he missed the uh, the head scissors takedown. But very innovative of Gulak. Now both men have gone to the outside and uh, Alexander just slaps Gulak down to the way for Finn Mats. No, there's no doubt Cedric is the cooker mun when it comes to uh, a fight between these two. And I think this is what Gulak has to kind of stop for looking at keys to victory here. Got to try and slow down Ced. Make sure he's not got such explosive... Uh, you know, quickness as he has. The striking of Cedric's good as well. I appreciate that. And plus a lumbar check, probably one of the most dangerous moves. I would probably say in WWE. I've, it depends how someone takes a lumbar check. You know, like, I think Brian Kendrick takes it perfectly because he goes flying off into the distance. You know, I think that's quite impressive. Whereas with a bigger man, I don't know if he'll be able to actually hit it. But then again, he is in the cruiserweight division at this moment in time. Yeah. Well, then, you know, you've got the lumbar check. That's not much different to Cardabba. Mm. But Gulak there, scouting Cedric Alexander, caught him jumping in, touched him on the apron, brought him down. One man flapjack onto the edge of the ring. Now Ced's in trouble. And Gulak throws, Gulak throws Cedric back in. Look to wear him down. He knows about the heart and determination of Cedric. Let's not forget he won the title at WrestleMania. So what are your thoughts on Drew Gulak then? Are you a fan? I did like his gimmick beforehand with the PowerPoint and that. But then, you know, it's it's kind of going down the same routes as Elias. I know like they're different styles. But, you know, you've got one playing a guitar that constantly gets interrupted. You've got one trying to do a PowerPoint that's interrupted. You know, there's not a lot of difference. So, like, you know, it's it was fun. But... You know, there's only so much you can go on the no-fly zone and before it gets like he's, you know, going over and over the same thing at the same time. Yeah, and, and becoming a comedy character, I think that is a problem. I think that's why they brought out the kind of aggressive side to Drew Gulak to try to save him that way. You know, I, I think it, it works with maybe Jack Gallagher because of a bit more imposing as well, whereas Jack, we want him to be a face. Whereas with Gula, I think he could be a face and a bit goofy and stuff like that. It'd be cool. But I do like the kind of killer. And it is impressive when a guy can play kind of all the roles. We saw Kurt Angle beforehand, you know, talk to Drake Maverick and Paige. And he's a guy that could play the clown, couldn't he? You know, he could play the killer. He could play the kind of hero, kind of sniveling hill as well. Uh, and it's good when a wrestler can do that. It's not slight anybody that can't. It just means that you can custom to it more. And I think... With Gulak being able to do that, it'll give him more chances in WWE, you know. And he's not the kind of smallest of cruiserweights either, so I think he's going to have a chance uh, on the main roster if they ever do that. Cedric gets thrown on the apron. Lands on his feet, though, and catches Gulak. Sends him face first into the mat. Was that desperation by... Or was that just a plan move? Gulak seems more uh, upset than hurt by it. Alexander's taken to using a Spanish fly recently, though, isn't he? No, he's As opposed to the lumbar check. He, he loves using that movie. He's beat Jack Gallagher on 205 Live a bit. Keeps the boot up. Elbow to the face of Gulak. Just comes running in. Rocking Gulak now takes him down. Irish whip reversed. Oh, but Gulak catches him by the throat and just takes him down <laughs> and starts wailing away at his head. Psyching himself up. He has got a little bit of fire in him. That's what I like about Alexander. He's not too bland. You know, I think there is a little bit more of an aggressive side you can maybe get out of him. And with the strikes that he delivers as well, they are vicious, don't get me wrong. Big chop to Gulak. 
Irish whip, but Drew holds on top rope, rolls out of harm's way, or does he? Oh, Gulak fly, sailing over the top rope, taking out, uh, Alexander sailing over the top rope, taking out Gulak, but has he injured himself on the way down as well? Well, the pressure and attack that Gulak is given to that neck of Cedric it must hurt him, but you know Alexander is going to give everything he's got to continue his cruiserweight total reign. Well, Gulak might have hyperextended that shoulder, Dan. Potentially, yes. And you don't want to hyperextend anything. No. Cedric fighting Gulak on an apron. And Gulak winning at the moment with those forearms. Step up in Seguri. Sends Gulak back. Alexander board in, but gets his feet swept from underneath him by Gulak. Well, now Gulak's got him. He's got the Gulak. Over the top rope. Oh, my oh. God. Tap out, Cedric. It wouldn't count, James. Tap out, Cedric. It wouldn't count, James. He's over the ropes. He's passed out. We've got a new cruiserweight champion. Drew brings him in, goes for the cover. This is it. Over. Oh. Alexander managing to kick out. Ah. Now Gulak. Drags him into the ring. Now he's getting the Gulak locked in. Can Can he clasp his hands around... Alexander, Alexander trying to turn it. He's trying to counter it to like a hammerlock. Who's got the more, who's got the most power? Looks like Gulak as. Now Alexander managed to turn it. Oh. Spinning back elbow <laughs> just drops Gulak where he stands. Alexander trying to call over to the corner for a tag to his partner, but he hasn't got a partner, so that wouldn't matter. No, but maybe his partner and the fouls is in attendance, all cheering, Cedric, Cedric. Cedric trying to get him into this cruiserweight title match. He's finally got some separation after a while. Maybe Gulak thinks, I can't beat this man. Alexander, that's going to take it up a level. Well, Gulak swinging wildly. Alexander ducking and dodging and hitting a few of his own strikes. Oh, Gulak catches Alexander. Oh! Catches him by the jaw and just swings a big <laughs> right at him. Rocks Alexander to the mat. Said seeing stars. He is. Irish whip reverse. Alexander leapfrog, but Gulak catches him. Sunset flip. No. Gets up at two. Two. And then test your strength. Gulak managing to turn Cedric round. Can he, whoever drops to the knees first will have the advantage. Neither of them because Alexander gets out. Handspring. Looking for the insiguri, but gets caught in an ankle lock. Oh, my word. Alexander turns him through. One, two. Oh. oh. Spanish fly. Drew, two. Oh, Alexander rolls through. And he's still trying to get old Gulak over. Gulak, though, sits down on him. No. One, two, three. And that was it. Kasim, did he have a handful of tights there? Well, maybe, you know, to get one over on Gulak, he had to cheat, and Cedric got out of that one alive somehow. I mean... Not a bad match, though, was it? You know, It wasn't, no. It was very finger on the pulse at all times, and both men putting it out. And it kind of leaves it open. And it kind of leaves it open for a potential rematch from uh, Drew Gulak, in, you know, within reason as well, because it wasn't finished decisively. It was, you know, it was kind of finished under sort of shady circumstances by a cheeky pin. Yeah, without doubt, you know. And I think both men did the closing segment. That sequence was really, really good between the two. They showed a lot of chemistry. I wouldn't mind seeing the match down the line, you know. 
So let's move on to our first episode, 205 Live. Yes, that is episode 19, uh, episode 91 on August the 21st. DM the, the SummerSlam kickoff title as her huge success with 205 Live, but runs down tonight's huge show, recapping the first two matches between Dar and TJP, and promises a tornado tag will be one of the best matches in the brand's history. Well, Vic Joseph, Percy Jackson slash Watson, and Nigel McGuinness, welcome well to tonight's four-man booth. He's excited to come off New Day's win at the end of SmackDown and pump for tonight, but he doesn't know the crews are great. Lifterweight champ is out with a remixed 8-bit free theme. He says he's glad this match will be over quickly so he can get back to enjoying the greatest city in the world, his hometown of Los Angeles. It's going to be quick because Dar's recovering from knee surgery and his finisher is the knee bar. So it is Noam Dar versus TJP. Perkins gets to the early advantage and grabs a mic to welcome Whale, who's been getting TJ's name wrong since he came out. Despite breaking down Noam Dar's history with Alicia Fox, he punks him on a fist bump and dabs on him, which prompts Wales to say nobody dabs anymore. And now here comes Dar out with a drop kick to TJP. And a handshake by Dar and Mr. Whale. And this match is going to get started. So Wales shaking the hand of a racist. No, wait, look. Uh, uh, never proven. <laughs> I, 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 say, I say, I say. Public relations. And Noam Dar apologised to the whole locker room. And he sent TJP into the announce table. And forces him to fist bump. And now, backdrop on the apron. That calls the hardest part of the ring. Dar's in. Scottish supernova going to take out your man, TJP, in this one. The rubber match, as it was. Snapmare by Dar into per- uh, onto Perkins. Onto ropes. Just showing his aggression there. And again, another hip toss takedown. Dar this time turned him round. Very technical is Noam Dar. Wale is a Grammy nominated rapper. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Where's Wale, Mr. Wally? Wale on commentary. Irish whip by Dar. Perkins catches himself in the ropes on the apron, but a huge drop kick by Noam Dar. Dar's got his smile on his face since we see Wale on commentary. His song, Dig Dug, Shake It, became popular in his hometown. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, of course I remember. You play it all the time. <laughs> Dig Dug. Per- I tell you what, my mate, Noam Dar, the guy I've met, who's a great dude, he's beating the shit out of TJP at the moment. Just brought him back in the ring. And, oh, Perkins has to cheat there, doesn't he? Using the DDT on Dar. There ain't no way TJP's walking out of here. He's just not as good as wrestlers now, Dar, is he, Dan? I completely disagree. Why? Why? Perkins is a little bit overrated. I'm a little bit bored of the character now. And I think we know Amdar has a, a bright future ahead of him as he's getting a lot of work down on the leg lock. 
When Dallas got heart determination, that injury won't put him down. Perkins had to cheat to take control of this match. <sighs> James, it's wrestling. If the referee doesn't see it, it's legal. No, that's that's not true. It is true. And now Perkins, come on, ref, break it. Perkins choking him in a corner, but Dark coming out now. Oh fuck! Oh, leg sweep from TJP. Oh, he's got him tied up, and he's just staring at Wale. Saying it's for you. Well, I would concentrate while I'm dying the ring. Oh. oh, lifts him up by his hands and plants him to the mat. He's just making Dar look like an idiot. How's that making him look like an idiot? Because there's cheat. nothing he can do. He had to cheat to take advantage of this one. What the fuck? Scoop slam by TJP. Well, look at that. Now Dar blocking TJP there. Brilliantly done. Dar back to his feet. Now he's beating Perkins to the punch. Forearm to the face, back elbow. Nice kicks. Gets oh. his kick caught by TJP, who delivers a leg whip on that surgically repaired left knee. Ah! Darn, having to use the ropes at the moment. Try and get up. But he won't give up. I'll try sending TJP to the way for Finn Matz. TJP lands on his feet, but Noam Dar sweeps him out from underneath him just after he lands. Danny Perkins hits his head off the hardest part of the ring. The crowd are going absolutely crazy for this one as Dar is trying to get into it. Dar with a throat strike, palm strike to the chest, and then an uppercut. This is brilliant by Dar. He comes running into the corner. Bang! Hits him with a back elbow, picks him up. Northern Lights throw. Goes for the cover. One, two... Oh, what a kick out by Perkins. Oh. Dar just checking with the referee, making sure. And now, now Dar looking to per Perkins away. Oh. Gets caught. Oh, TJP looking for the detonation kick. But I'm drag takedown. Roll up from Perkins. Two. Oh, oh but Dar just managing to kick out. Oh. oh, but Perkins playing possum takes the leg of Dar. Oh. Gets that TJP knee bar locked in. Hello, possums. Come on, Noam, Dar. Get to the bottom rope, darling. He's going to make him tap. Well, right on that bad leg. But Dar is a fighter. Tap for Haggis. Come on. There we go. The Scotch is still over the bottom rope. Showing his brave heart there. And Perk is now thinking, what's it going to take to beat him? I can't beat Noam Dar. That's what your man's thinking right now. I'm not as good as Noam Dar. What am I going to do? There is nothing that can be done. Now Perkins cheating and using the referee. Sort it out. Oh, there we go. Dars caught his arms and now kicking away at TJP's face. That's it, son. Do the rumba. Yeah. That's cheating. <laughs> that is brilliant by Noam Dar. It's cheating. Well, for referee, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> Here comes Dar. Get ready. Come on, son. Boom. A shin kick. Yeah, takes him out. Perkins dodged it once. And now it's Pinky Power. Bang! Huge kick to the head. Dart. One, two, three. Yeah! You're saying that as if he's just won the Cruiserweight Championship. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, he never has. No, he just won a second match, Dan. Yeah! <laughs> yes, he's won two matches. Two. D is on the start of an undefeated streak now. That will... Well, one and zero at the moment, but Dar is going to go on. My God, how impressive was Noam Dar there? 
Future cruiserweight champion, most definitely. Those kicks catching Perkins' head. What's the thing of beauty? And then finishing him off. Dan, what are your thoughts? The match wasn't terrible, you know. It's God, you get excited when a wrestler that you follow wins after being a shitty loser for I, ages. I do, I do, I do. Um, <laughs> no, you know, it wasn't a terrible match, I think. You know, it's a good bit of resurgence for Noam Dar, who admittedly has been awful for a while. TJP, I think he's been a bit up and down. Um, you know, it is a bit... He still hasn't managed to find his feet, I don't think, Perkins. Per- per- yeah, I think Perkins is struggling a little bit at the moment. You know, he's up and down one minute to the next. It's, yeah, you know, it is a bit, I suppose it'd be more frustrating for him. But, you know, again, it's good to see that Noam Dar is on the up and up. Yeah, I mean, it's good. You know, t- but the problem is there is a lot of talented guys in the cruiserweight division, you know, and this is the problem trying to fit them all in. But it's good that Dar's getting a victory with Perkins. Yeah, I would be a little bit worried because has he done everything he can in 205 Live or is there more, you know? While A leaves, as we get a recap of Alex Oliver vs. Gulak from Sunday, Drew's promo from earlier is showing calling for a rematch. Paxton interviews the general manager about Gulak's request and Maverick denies Drew's request slash demand. You have to earn title shots on this show and Gulak needs to get in line behind others who have been working towards it. Well, uh, Kira Tazar versus Colin Delaney never starts when Gulak, Jack Halliger, and Lee Brian Kendrick crash and take out both men. Drew calls for a mic and says business will not return to normal until he gets his rematch. He knows Cedric lets Big Daddy Drake make his decisions, but he wants him out here now to answer his challenge. Well, the champ is here. He'll gladly get in the ring with Drew if he gets rid of Thing 1 and Thing 2. He marches to the ring, but DM the GM runs in to stop him. And a bunch of refs follows. Gulak recites some more Dr. Zeus and mocks the age of Alexander. He's here for a better 205 Live, and he thinks the age of Alexander sucks. Drew wonders if Cedric is scared, Maverick will put him in timeout. He starts to say something else when Alexander evades the officials and gets in the ring. Drew slides out, and Drake tells him to get out of there. He heads out through the card... He heads out for the crowd with Kendrick and Gallagher as said screams at him from the ring. Well, up next is Lucha House Party and it's Grand Metallic and... Linsterado! Versus Buddy Murphy and Tony Neese in a Tornado tag match. So, here we go. And um, two guys again. We've seen Noam Dar tonight, but Buddy Murphy, Tony Neese, another one of... Uh, another two of my guys. Hence why we're watching this match. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, yeah. And here we go. This is... Should be a great match, though. Dorado and Metallic start off with Murphy and Nita. I'm trying to explain. They're starting off to get with each other as couples. Kalisto's there. Uh, they've had problems with, you know, the Lucha House Party have with Nisa and Murphy. Here comes Dorado diving across body off the top. And now Metallic and Dorado gets reversed by Murphy and Nice. Oh, and they get a couple of kicks to the chins for their troubles. Oh. Lovely assisted uh, drop kick there. Well, Metallic taking out Murphy and Nice. And he comes running back on the apron. Oh, <laughs> Jewel step up in Seguri's. And now LHP are going to go fly. Oh, they no. get their legs dragged out from underneath them by Nice and Murphy. Well, that was Nice there to stop the attack. And now they're going either side of the ring now. Nice getting chopped by Metallic. Oh, and Dorado gets sent off into the announce table. Nice throws him on Metallic there as well. 
<laughs> Dorado Metallic slide back into the ring, get deposited on the other side, land on the apron. Double shoulders. Like stereo fucking match <laughs> or something. It is. Batman, Nice and Murphy get suplex over the top. Double kick to the face. Springboard <laughs> moonsaults <laughs> off the top rope. And Dorado Metallic are on top of this match as Kalisto plays cheerleader. Who do you think's better, Metallic or Dorado? Oh my god, Dorado off the apron. How I can roll in Buddy Murphy down. Off the barricade, sorry. Nice there, back elbow. Slides out to forearm Dorado. Oh! He gets slammed back first into that metal ramp. Oh, now Murphy and Nice. They're a proper tag team, so you could have got the same colour trunks. you got to appreciate that. They've taken Dorado down, now they're going to focus on Metallic. And they're both what an imbecile would class as absolute. I'm not allowed to use that, they both are. Yeah, that's why I said an imbecile would class well, as. Well, no, no, but I'm, I, his word is barred from... Your bo- mouth. I'm not allowed to say that, but they are. Metallic oh. goes diving over, but gets caught by oh. Nisa Murphy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Double powerbomb into Barry Cade. Showing their aggressive side here. Everybody taking out Lucha House Party. All we have to do is flat Kalisto. There you go. Job done. Well, he hyperextended his thumb. That was the injury that Dorado had. And Nice and Murphy now just concentrating on it. And they are going to end up breaking the, uh, the hand. Dorado Dorado's fu- fighting out, though. Yeah, come on, son. Oh! He ain't getting out of that. Big knee to the face. And the cast coming off. Metallic back on the apron. Catches Nice in the midsection. Throws Murphy to the outside. Eliminates him from the rumble. Nice reverses Metallic. Oh, handspring backflip there. Ducks and dodges from Tony Nice. Gets a hip toss. <laughs> bounces off the ropes and takes down Nice. As he walks the ropes. Missile drop kick taking down the Tony Nice, the premier athlete. Well, he looks like a heavyweight fighter, like a cruiserweight. And now Buddy Murphy... The Aussie assassin in here getting caught by Metallic, though. Hurricane run attempt, but look at the power of Murphy. Oh! Locked into a set-out powerbomb, goes for the cover. Oh. A kick out. Oh. Uh, it was the best-kept secret to five Live. It's no secret anymore how good Buddy Murphy can and is at this moment in time. There was more people at the moment at 205 than there is in NXT, and that is saying something if you look about what we've done in the past couple of years. Nice now with a forearm shot to Metallic's head. This turn in the handicap match. The juggernaut and the premier athlete. Mm. We've got Nice holding Metallic. Yep. Holding Metallic's arms behind his back while Murphy punches away. But Metallic fighting out, kicking Murphy, elbowing Nice and a punch to Murphy, knocking him away. Nice trying to get under Metallic and he does that. Got him up with a pump handle. Oh, that was all right. Double team move. Not a oh, lot of impact. Broken up there. Dorado. Saving came. the match. I don't see what Murphy's input into that move was. No, it wasn't that great. I thought he was going to come down with him. It would look more impressive. Mm. But they're working together, you know. I mean, with Murphy, it would be like, don't keep me teaming up here. You know I mean? I, I was already in a tag team at the moment with Blake. Here comes Dorado. Oh, seated drop kick off the top, taking out both men. 
running around delivering rights to both of them as well. Oh my god, harsh chops to the chest. Beautiful dropkick by Dorado there with Murphy right on the button. I think Lucha House Party has fallen flat on its ass. Mm. I think they're trying to derive the uh, 205 Lives version of uh, New Day. <laughs> but just didn't happen. No, but Dorado gets sent into Nice with Bronco Buster. Murphy picks up Dorado. Oh, but that gets turned into a bulldog. Pop up Hurricane Rana to oh, and Murphy just managing to kick out. But it is impressive what these guys can do. They just need a little bit more pacing sometimes as well. Do you know? I mean, we talked about Murphy selling in the past. I know with the May Young Classic that we watched yesterday as well. There's a couple of times in that. People just getting up a bit too quickly, but if you haven't got the time to, you know, they're being told you've got these X amount of minutes, they want to try and put all the big moves in. This is what sometimes can hamper a match. I think there's not a problem at the moment because with the main events, they get given more time, so there should be no excuse for that, if you know what I mean. They've been yeah. get given 20 minutes now as Nisa Murphy double teaming Dorado. Oh, but Dorado catches them both. They all crumpled down into a weird mess, which I think was a bit of a cock-up. Yep. Goes to recover on Murphy, kicks out after one. Oh. Well, they'll be frustrated, you know, the couple of botches that has happened, and this is why, you know, it's 25 Live. Murphy now picking up Dorado. Backslide pushes him into Nice, who puts on the brakes. Oh, and a Tornado DDT planting Murphy. To... Oh. Just managing to kick out. Uh, I don't know how Murphy's still in this match. Well, the hand might be bothering Dorado, but not too much at this moment. A little bit of trouble there between Nice and Murphy. Well, potential trouble, but the brakes was put on by Murphy to stop him colliding with his partner. Now Murphy put in position by Dorado. Kalisto signal him to go flying. Nice is up, gets kicked off the apron. That gives Murphy enough time to get up and crutch him on top. The Golden Links. Oh, Nice and Murphy looking to go up now. And Kalisto doesn't even want to watch his little mate Dorado. He's in serious trouble. Oh, but Metallic comes in and saves the day. Takes Nice off. Oh, but he gets uh, a combination from Murphy. Oh. oh. Trying to go to the tornado DDT, but Murphy catches him. Plants him face back. Oh! Nice with like a lion salt. Gets <laughs> caught with a moon salt. Or shooting star pressure, I say. But Murphy <laughs> just powers him up. Oh my. Drops him face first onto the mat to. Oh! oh but kick out. Oh. Well, that was impressive then, I think, by Murphy. That was well, a nice little exchange from all four men, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I think that I mean, uh, all at work then. <laughs> just you can't about. just single out one wrestler. No, but I'm saying with Murphy managing to keep hold of I know you're Murphy, but you know, all four men was a part of that then, and it wasn't just the fucking power game from Murphy picking him up and slamming him down. Oh, that made that move there, that did. I mean, Come on, really... stop being biased. I think mean, Kalisto at ringside had something to bring to the match as well. Do you want to crowd into it? It was it? down to the referee, you <laughs> Well, he is calling the action, but all four men are down at the moment. I think the juggernaut is freshest, though. And now Murphy's on the apron with Dorado. And he's going to try and suplex him in the apron, but Dorado fighting it. Kicks him into the ring post. Oh, but gets sent to the other side of the post by Murphy. 
They're both men in a very <laughs> precarious position now. Dorado filling the back of his mask, trying to keep it on. And that gives Murphy a second to recover and punch Dorado. And now he's on top, but so is Dorado. Oh. A nice up there for the save for his partner. And now Tony Nice is up. We've got three men up in that <laughs> corner now. <laughs> this, oh, no. Nice drops down on the trio. Whoa. And Dorado's got Murphy. Suplex, no. Oh. German <laughs> suplex just folds him up. But Metallic walking the ropes. <laughs> drop kick to the face of Nice. Oh, double knees by Murphy, though. What a fantastic sequence there by Buddy Murphy. Oh, Get fuck him. off. All <laughs> <laughs> men are down. Well, that was very impressive the way he dropped his knees off. Fuck all about walking the top rope half the way across and delivering a lovely drop kick. Or, or, <laughs> or the trio way into the German suplex. Oh, no, it was all about the fucking knees off the top rope. <laughs> Tit. And the fans are getting into it. Lucha chance. And we see the replay of this. <laughs> just rolls <laughs> him up. Ooh. Oh. That was very impressive walking the ropes, I. It was a look at this. Bang! <laughs> Best move ever. Well, Dorado and Metallic using each other to help the other one up. And now Murphy and Nisa <laughs> are doing the same. Oh my god, now all four men just exchanging. Slaps, elbows, punches. Oh no, Dorado! <laughs> Step up in Seguri. Oh, beautiful! Step up in Seguri, caught, ducked by Murphy, hit Nice, who then sends uh, Murphy's foot into Nice, knocking him down. Oh, Nice like, rolls into it, picks up Dorado, but Metallic with a drop kick. And then the icing on the cake was a dual super kick that <laughs> Dorado and Metallic delivered to Murphy. Oh my god. A bottom rope springboard moonsault catches. Second rope springboard moonsault catches. Third time moonsault. Both men on top. One, two. Oh, oh but Murphy just in to break it up. Well, well done, buddy Murphy. That would have been it then. Kalisto sent a vet. God, that weren't free. So Kalisto, if he was a heel, he could have grabbed hold of Murphy's leg, stopped him getting in. But they want to do things the right way. <clears throat> but and then it, it's sometimes the wrong way. Well, no, as I say, we saw Alexander at SummerSlam. Did he take, did, did he do it that way just so he knew he would retain? Especially with these men looking for a Cruiserweight title opportunity down the line. Kalisto, former Cruiserweight champion, of course. If he closed on the top of Metallic, Nice with a roll up. Oh. He definitely had a handful of tights there. But couldn't get him down. And Metallic now. Oh. Back first into the corner. Are we going to see the running knees? Here he comes. Oh, no. Oh, he's up to a vertical base. Kick to the jaw. Nice rolling <sighs> in with an elbow. That was nice. But Dorado up low. He's got Tony Knees. Just up. And Murphy pulls Dorado down. But only a drop kick. He's on the apron. Oh! <laughs> we went for it. Oh, a missed! Oh! Hurricane <laughs> Rana. Nice. Into <laughs> Murphy, fucking hell. Fucking hell, Metallic there. <laughs> Holy shit moment on 205 Live. <laughs> Told you this is a good match. Unbelievable. And the way that Murphy took that move, <laughs> I mean, fucking hell. 
<laughs> it was just perfect. Right, go. Dorado went for it all. Missed with a splash. <laughs> and then Metalli up on that top. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, did his mask nearly come off then? I think his mask come off. Well, that's how his much... mask imp- did come off. <laughs> that's how hard he hit Tony Nese. The mask actually came off. Metallic throws Murphy back in. Here comes Metallic with a springboard. Murphy ducks, delivers a running knee, sends him outside. Well, he might be knocked out now. And Kalisto trying to call him up, but Murphy now. Well, he's looking at Kalisto as he grabs Metallic. Giving him enough time to recover, though. Don't call me Shirley. Oh, no, Murphy just ripping the t-shirt of Kalisto, pushed him into the announce table. I don't know, that's a great idea, Murphy. Kaliso oh, should have pushed him back, but it would have been a disqualification. Two. Oh, oh roll up by Metallic. Oh, only getting the two. Yes, Kaliso. Oh, come on. Yes. Well, cheating there by Kaliso. Here comes Metallic. Slams him round. Two, two three. three. Oh. oh, yes, Metallic. <laughs> Lovely piñata. Goes with Kaliso, but. Ka- Come on now. Kalisto cheated in this match. I didn't see it, James. Oh, fuck. He cost Buddy Murphy. He cost Buddy. All I saw is Buddy Murphy getting in the face of Kalisto for checking that his friend's all right after being delivered a kick to the jaw. And he just rips his shirt off for no apparent reason and shoves him into the announce table. How, yeah, how, that's all I saw how from that. How can you say that I'm biased when you... D- it's, it's, it's clear as New Day. You can see that happening look, there. Look, rip his shirt off and... Shoves him into that. He, he was just standing there checking on his mate. Um, Uncalled for. That is disgusting. I, uh, I hope Kalisto gets in trouble with Drake What's Maverick. That What's that on the curtain? Uh, what? Oh, no. See, look, nothing happened. <laughs> no, he no. just turns round and then he gets caught with a lovely move. Sunset flip. One, two, I three. Kalisto gets punished for his actions here tonight. Ruin was a fantastic match with all four men. Dan, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, for Buddy Murphy now. Um, <laughs> yeah, all four men performed out. You know, they recovered from their little fumbles well. And it was a great team effort from all five guys. Yeah. yeah it really was. You know, all the little spots worked together well. Uh, it was really, really enjoyable uh, as we move on to our next episode of 205 Live. So we move on to our next episode of 205 Live, which is episode 92, August 28th. Drake Maverick welcomes us to the show, breaking down the history between the men in the two matches he announced earlier today. Mm, Rick Joseph, Nigel McGuinness and Percy Jackson slash Watson make the picks for the main event, Murphy Kalisto, and kick it to the opener, which starts with Kendrick and Gentleman Jack Haha running down Toronto. But that isn't what's bothering the Brian. It's people who don't know their place like Palsy Wolsey Akira Tazara. Well, Akira Tazawa defeated the Brian Kendrick via pinfall following the top rope sent on. Well, Tazawa's fired up, hitting both the heels quickly after the bell. Kendrick gets the advantage before too long and almost secures the submission with a captain's hook, but Akira makes it to the bottom rope to break the hold. After Kendrick rolls away from the top rope sent on, Tazawa, fro- <coughs> Tazawa flies and takes him out with a taupe suicida. Gallagher tries to stop him. Gallagher. Tries to stop another sent on attempt, but Tazawa onto him. Tazawa's onto him, flattening him with a kick before punishing Kendrick's leg into the ring post. He continues to target the leg with moves like the dragon whip leg screw before ending it. 
Well, after a recap of the issues with Lucha House Party, Caleb Braxton catches up with Buddy Murphy and Tony Nice. The Aussie basically says he's done playing around with Luch Stores, and Nice closes the scene by saying the juggernaut is back. Before his match, Hideo Itami's selfie promo is shown where he says he's sorry he hurt Mustafa Raleigh. Sorry he didn't hurt him worse. Ooh. Well, Hideo Itami versus Michael Blase ends in a no contest, I guess. Completely one-sided with Itami hitting his finisher multiple times, but not... Completely one-sided with Itami hitting his finisher multiple times before pulling Blase up at two. Two. To continue laying in punishment. That eventually brings a return of... Mustafa Ali. When he charges to the ring in street clothes and Hideo Itami tells it, Ali yells that he's a coward as he smirks. He wasn't smoking, James. He just had a smile on his face. And slips off through the crowd. A recap of last week's running between the champ and Drew Gulak is shown. Cedric Alexander gets a promo from the European Tour saying Gulak, saying Gulak's actions in SummerSlam have proved him to be a spineless hypocrite. He'll give Drew one chance to redeem himself next week. Alexander's heading to the ring and calling him out. Oh. But up next is our main event and the man who cheated last week and cost Buddy Murphy the victory on 205 Live, Kalisto. He's going to get his comeuppance here as he go against Buddy Murphy. And the thing I like about Buddy Murphy and uh, Tony, even though they're in a handicapped situation, situation. They, they don't back down from it, you know. They're going to face it head on. You know, I don't think we've mentioned that, that, you know, the hills are at a disadvantage, but Murphy doesn't look like he's going to play around. <clears throat> well, I didn't see this alleged trip. <laughs> oh, fucking that hell. You're, you're alluding to. <laughs> I, you know, I must have blinked and missed it, but... I don't know what Murphy's vendetta is setting upon the Lucha House party. Oh, I think he's on. he's just picking on guys that are smaller than him because he knows he can't step up to the plate when it comes to the likes of Cedric Alexander and uh, and, and Mustafa Ali. Does Alexander to limit more than Buddy Murphy has? Buddy Murphy deserves another opportunity at the Cruiserweight Championship. And come on now, Lucha House Party have been attacking but, uh, Murphy and Nice from behind. They've been interfering in their matches. It's it's, it's disgusting. I, I'm, I'm a, a, not happy about Lucha House Party. Look at them wearing their masks and, and waving their, I won't say maracas, but that would be incredibly racist. They're, um, I don't even know what they are. Fan rattles or whatever it is. What are they, you know? And then Murphy, just so much, so much more impressive. <coughs> Do you know what I have to say to that, James? What? Lucha! 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 You've got to say Murphy is a better in-ring competitor than Kalisto. Oh, yeah, you know, he's definitely won the US Championship. Oh, no, he hasn't, has he? Well, oh, just because he won the US <sighs> title for he, a He's, he's a months. former Cruiserweight champion. It's, oh, no, no, he's, he's, he's not got that either. Yeah, he's but, come but short, hasn't he? Murphy yeah. is in for, is former NXT cha- tag team champion. So's Kalisto. Oh, you fuck, fuck off. So's the Ascension. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't care. Murphy at the moment showing his power. Oh, trying to get up to the ropes. There we go. Gets it to the second rope now. Oh, oh lovely. Hezzes a takedown there from Kalisto to Murphy, sending him scampering away like dog. Oh, come on now. Murphy's just being intelligent on the outside. Look at this. Oh, oh. tries being intelligent and rushing the ring, but gets caught with a step up in Seguri. Well... I don't think Kaliso's finished just yet. Lucha, Lucha, Lucha. Here he comes, no. Oh, see? suicide dive. Tony Nice was stood in the way, blocking him like that gutless heel that he is. Oh, come on. As Kalisto hops over the referee and takes out both 
Nice and... A referee there, you know, he didn't want Kalisto to dive over, and that's why he got involved. An attack on the helpless niece, just helping his partner, Buddy Murphy, make sure he's all right. Oh, what, just like Kalisto was helping his partner. Come on, niece. Well, niece and Murphy now. He's got back up, see, look, your balls ain't so big when the tides have turned it's two it? Against two. it was two against one for a minute when i was giving it all billy big balls but the tide has changed no look come yeah. on now there we go murphy. Says, look, you know i don't need you guys when his back was turned murphy struck like murphy villainous you... heel that he is i didn't see it i mean <laughs> if he did do it then it must have been using his intelligence there murphy now control of this match and what it mean when murphy defeats Former cruiserweight champion, former United States champion like that. Murphy, surely... Don't call me Shirley. ...must be next in line for the cruiserweight championship after the the winner of Gulak and uh, Alexander has been decided, hopefully, next week. Kalisto trying to hurricane run there, but Murphy's shown his power and keeping hold of him. Oh, but gets taken out of the ring, eliminated from the Royal Rumble. And now Kalisto near his mates so they can use the handicap... Advantage against him. Oh, oh, running kick to the beak. He didn't need his mates in his handicap advantage. Well, Murphy. Look, niece sneaking up behind like the repo man. Niece is just checking on Kalisto. Kalisto comes off the apron. but gets caught by Murphy. Impressive show of power there by the juggernaut. Holding Kalisto up. Slamming him down on those mats. And how thin are those mats? They're wafer thin. Exactly. And Kalisto's body just banged right on it. Dorado Metallic can't help him now. Come on, referee, stop this match. Yeah. What's, what's the need in that? Why is Dorado shoving Murphy for? He's not involved in this match. What's Murphy shoving Dorado for? He's not involved in this match. Well, I, well Murphy's involved in this match, but Dorado shouldn't be over exactly. Kalisto. Come on, referee, make the right call. Yes. Yes, he says Lucha House Pie. Yeah. Um, fantastic decision. Shouldn't have put his hands on Buddy Murphy. There you go. That's what happens, Grammy Talic Dorado. You try and get involved in your mate. Yeah, take your pinata with you. And caught it as well. <laughs> go on. Get out of here. <clears throat> well, I, I hate when, I you know... I suppose Murphy's going to give it the Billy Big Balls. Now he's got the number advantage. I hate it when people have to interfere behind the referee's back to take advantage. Now that Luch House party is gone... So we can finally get some impartial competition here. Because we know Nice, the guy outside, wants he's going to leave it one-on-one. You know, Murphy oh, yeah, knows. of course he is. Yeah. He is. Murphy knows yeah, he can yeah, beat Kalisto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 one-on-one. No, he does. <coughs> nice will not do anything now. I know. He'll just stand Do you want a better bonus point on I it? I don't want a better bonus point oh, right. you're, you're not that confident that your men aren't going to stick to the rules of the match. You don't want to put a bonus point saying. on the fact... That Nice will get involved at such. I'm not... Uh, look, so only, you're saying you're not sure if he will then? Are you backtracking? I'm, you? I'm, no, I'm only saying if Kalisto decides to interact with Nice, that's when it will come and cost him. Nice won't strike first. You mark my words about that. They're two upstanding gentlemen, they are, in Buddy Murphy and Tony Nice. All right, nice. okay then. A bonus point. If Kalisto strikes Nice first... <laughs> I'm not putting any bonus oh, points on Oh, well, well, yeah, because you're not that confident. <laughs> and the cocky Murphy's... Try to kick Kalisto in the back, but Kalisto moved out of the way. And Kalisto now struggling to even get into this match because Murphy's been so dominant. Oh, and he's got the sleeper locked in. Make him go to sleep, Kalisto. No, Murphy's too big. Backs him up in the corner. 
Oh, Tornado DDT back onto the sleeper, though. And this is the only way he's going to try and get victory, send him to sleep. Murphy's too tough to tap. Well, you could always send Kalisto to sleep with one of your tall stories about how great Murphy is. He really are an arsehole sometimes, you know that. Murphy powering Kalisto down. Only sometimes. Murphy travelled from down under to get here. You know, it's a long journey that Murphy had to put in. People said he wasn't good enough. He's come up to 205 Live and he's proven he can hang. Because that's where all the greats go, isn't it? The very best in the world. Murphy will be in the main roster. He's got, he's got, he's got the talent. We've seen it. Murphy always delivers. The juggernaut of 205 Live. And he's in complete control over Kalisto. Yeah, you run away like the bitch that you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, blowing his nose because he's crying about Kalisto getting beaten up. <laughs> Murphy on the outside. Murphy. Oh, oh referee! What? Send him out of here. He's tripped Kalisto and distracted him. I didn't see it. I saw it. No, I did not see I that. I did. No. I saw that. No, I no, no idea. You, you, no referee. Yeah, no. Send him ref. Send no him ref. He didn't do anything, ref. Ref. You, you. No, go on, no, go on. no, no. Oh, out of here! Oh come on, ref. He wasn't involved at all. Kalisto ran into his arm. What was his arm doing on the ring apron? I didn't see it, but that's what I assume happened. I know Well, if you assume it. you make an ass out of you and me, no, so I'll finish this match, Kalisto. Referee. Come on now, ref. Lucha. Lucha. Look, look, look. Slight action replay. Bang. Swept his leg. He didn't touch him. Referee didn't saw touch him. it. Ref caught uh, him. Ref, this is, this is heinous. This is, this is bad officiating in WWE's part. Now, Murphy. Right, um, nice going, though. is. It's just a shame he won't be there to cheer him on when he wins because obviously he's going to get the job done. Oh, oh a second step up in Seguri. <clears throat> Knocks Murphy, bandies, he springboards his way in. Seated sent on. He's running now. Boom! A corkscrew tornado back elbow. Springboard. Now look at the power of Murphy. Just throwing Kalisto away saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Kalisto rolls him up. Kick to the head. No, he doesn't because Murphy catches it. Now he's got hits him with a move that doesn't work in real life. Slingshot. Oh, but Kalisto lands on the second rope. Kick to the jaw. Oh, oh looking Kalisto. for a blockbuster but getting caught. Backslide from Kalisto. Power of Murphy compels leaf. Hell. <laughs> Reverse. <laughs> <laughs> Reverse Hurricane Runner. That broke his neck backwards and then the short runner broke his neck forwards. Oh, Murphy just managing to kick out. Ah, uh-huh. an incredible show of heart and determination by Buddy Murphy there, getting the shoulder up after those two. I will admit there were wicked moves, but Murphy still got the fight. Come on, son. Oh. Slu. Cha. No. Lu. Cha. Lu. Cha. Lu. Cha. Ooh, ooh, oh, oh! Murphy catches him on his shoulder as he's going for the sleeded out soul. Plants him face first into the second turnbuckle. Runs into <laughs> a super kick. Saw a tooth go flying there. One, two. Oh. Oh. 
My man Buddy Murphy still in this. The tooth landed <laughs> at ringside. It landed in the fifth row, James. <laughs> <laughs> and Kelly's though very impressive there, but Murphy still hanging in there. Mm. The fans definitely get behind Kalisto. Murphy may be using a bit of experience going to the apron. Can't get pinned there. <clears throat> now both men staring at each other. It's both on the apron. Murphy pushes Kalisto away. Throws oh! him throat first over the announce tape from the ring apron. And that is the power of Murphy. <laughs> Compels you. <laughs> it compelled Kalisto onto the announce table. It impaled him on the <laughs> announce table. <laughs> And if Murphy can get Kalisto back in the ring, he's going to get hit with a Salida del Sol and put out of his misery. Thank you, Nigel McGuinness. That's very oh, wise words no. from you. You commentating legend, you. Well, Kalisto at the moment is not hitting the Salida del Sol because he's getting hit by the barricade after Murphy just thrown him. Oh, referee's counting now. Come on, don't let it be a count out. Oh, Murphy, though, clever. <coughs> Clever's going to get a count. No, he's going to stop oh, the count. Break the count. He wants to hurt Kalisto. Well, I'm Murphy. Oh, well, his cocky attitude's come back to haunt him now. He gets hit with a big forearm. Bounces off Barry Cade, oh. but into a knee from Murphy. Well, those knees by Murphy are on point. Kalisto's down at the moment. Those niece. I wonder who taught Buddy Murphy to hit the niece. So well. Maybe his it's friend. Probably Blake. Maybe his friend, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Blake, yeah. But Mur- his very good friend, Enzo Amore. Murphy was never good friends with him. He gets was. in the ring. Kalisto's calling him out, though, saying, come on, just bring it. Well, more guts and brains. That's Kalisto! Oh! <laughs> As he gets monkey flipped over into the announcer's area, straight <laughs> over Barry Cade. I've never seen that. I've never seen that before. He went flying off our screens. <laughs> and now Kalisto's going to get the cheap count-out victory. That is disgraceful. You know, this is a, meant to be a proper competition. And he's happy to get a count-out rather than pinning the man. Come on, Murphy. Break it down. There we go. Count of nine. He's in. Bang. Oh! He gets Hurricane Rana through the second rope. He's dead. <laughs> One, two... Oh, well, well, well done, Murphy. <laughs> you get folded. I like the way he folds himself up. Fans appreciating it. It's good to see. Booker T, <laughs> I'm coming for you, Murphy. This is awesome chance again as Kalisto is up in the apron. This indeed is awesome. Here comes Kalisto. Hurricanrana gets caught in a power bomb. Goes for the cover. Murphy powers him up again. Bang. Twisting set out power bomb. Wow. Oh. Kick oh. out. Oh, how did Kalisto get the shoulder up there? Murphy's saying, referee, are you, sh- are you sure about that? The referee's like, don't call me Shirley. Referee. Checking on both men. 205 chance. We don't really hear that often. No. <laughs> the fans aren't normally into 205. <laughs> And now Murphy might be looking for Murphy's law. Put Kalisto away. Oh, oh no. Kalisto rolls him up. One, two. Oh. Finally gets out of it, but Kalisto again rolls him through. Oh, oh and it follows up with a kick to the beak. Murphy will not get hit with another short roll. <laughs> he made sure of that. Tony uh, hits a knee. 
Murphy's Law hits it. One, two, three. Yeah! Everybody, Murphy wins! <laughs> one on one, he beat Kalisto. Well, you're celebrating as if he won the Cruiserweight Championship. Said, no, oh, no, 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 I'm done. <laughs> Oh, you're celebrating as if he's won the US champion. Oh, no, he hasn't. Look, Buddy Murphy has beat Kalisto here in a great matchup, and he proved he could beat him one on one. No shenanigans in the end. Needs that to celebrate. Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? I thought it was a bloody good match between the two guys, yeah. Um, you know, neither of them perfect wrong. <clears throat> I think, you know, I like the little shenanigans that went on outside the ring as well. I think they played into it perfectly. And, uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've looked forward to a few more matches between these factions to come, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think Lucha Hound to their next feud. And, you know, it's interesting to see what happens with Nisa Murphy. Yeah. Now, I really like Nisa Murphy, but I think Murphy is the potential to be more of a star here. You know, he's, Murphy is improving week in, week out as well. And some of the moves in this match, some of the moves last week, uh, like you said, between all four or five guys, you know, let's give them all credit. Were, were some amazing stuff, and you don't start chanting two oh five if it's if it's not good, and they're getting it right at the moment. Yeah, you know, oh yeah, credit thing. where it's due. Um, you know, again for the second week in a row, Murphy's <laughs> main event in two oh five live. So I'm laughing about the fact he got monkey flipped over the top of the replay. Yeah, exactly. Main event's the second two oh five live, doesn't it? Yeah, you got, I got to be happy about that. You know, just it's nice. To see, it's good to see great matches. But tonight, it was Murphy's Law here on 205 Live. And last week, it was Colt's Law. <laughs> well, up next, it's episode 93, September 4th. Well, Drake Maverick says tonight's show will have ramifications for the Cruiserweight division going forward. Buddy Murphy has a title match in Melbourne, but tonight, Tony Nice will, fan... will face Grand Metallic. Cedric Alexander will call out Drew Gulak tonight. What will happen tonight? Will Cedric turn the tables on Gulak, or is Cedric walking into a trap? Well, we're in Detroit, Michigan, and your announcers are Vic Joseph, Nigel McGuinness, and Percy Jackson, slash Watson. <coughs> Tony Nice is asked about his match against Grand Metallic. Tony yells at Kayla about interviewing him before his match. She asks Buddy about getting a title match in Australia. Buddy says to be chosen for Super Showdown was an easy choice for Drake. He is Melbourne's biggest star. Buddy says he came close to beating Cedric in his hometown. Now Cedric is coming. Buddy says he will have. Buddy says he will be one to have thousands of people cheer for him as he becomes the next cruiserweight champion. Tonight, Tony Nice does what he does best: take care of business. Well, match number one is Grand Metallic versus Tony Nice. They lock up and Metallic with a waist lock. Nice with a standing switch into a side headlock. Nice with a shoulder tackle. Metallic with an arm drag followed by. One from Nice, and then both men go for a drop kick at the same time. Nice locked, but uh, a Nice with a back elbow, but Metallic with a chop. Nice with an Irish whip, and Metallic floats over. Nice flips out of a corner and connects with a series of kicks. Well, Nice goes for a quibrada, quibrada. but goes for a quibrada, but Metallic moves and Nice lands on his feet. Metallic with a slingshot arm drag. Metallic with a springboard arm drag. Nice goes to the floor. Metallic drop kicks Nice off the apron. He goes for a baseball slide, but Nice ducks and then he takes Metallic down with a leg sweep on the apron. Nice goes for a powerball on the apron, but Metallic grabs the ropes and is able to escape. Metallic with a super kick that knocks Nice off the apron. Nice catches Metallic off the apron and swings Metallic into the ringside barricade. <coughs> nice sends Metallic into the ring and Nice gets a near fall. 
Metallic with a kick, and he goes to the turnbuckles for a tornado DDT, but Nice counters into a Northern Light suplex for a near fall. Nice with kicks. Metallic with forearms, but Nice with a chop. Nice with an Irish whip, but Metallic with a back elbow and a moonsault, but Nice catches Metallic. Metallic counters into a DDT, and Nice is down. Well, Metallic with a sling blade bulldog, and then he hits a springboard dropkick for a near fall. Metallic with a roll-up for a near fall. Metallic with a chop, and then he goes for a handspring move, but Nice with a spinning heel kick, and both men are down. Nice goes for a super, but Metallic lands on his feet. Nice goes to the turnbuckle, Metallic with an insecurity. Metallic with a run over the top rope to the floor. Metallic with a kick, and he goes up top and goes for a moonsault to the floor, but Nice gets to his feet. Gets his feet up. Gets his feet up. Metallic with a forearm, but Nice clips Metallic and hits a Fosbury flop. Nice goes up top and hits a 450 splash for a near fall. Nice sends Metallic shoulder first into the ring post. Metallic with a super kick and a Metallic driver for a near fall. Nice with an uppercut to stop Metallic on the turnbuckles. Nice with a chop and then he sets for a superplex. But Metallic crotches Nice. Metallic with a Rana to Nice and then he goes up top for a springboard elbow drop for the freak. Winner, Grand Metallic. After the match, Kalisto and Lince Dorado celebrate in the ring with Metallic. We take a look back at what happened with Hidari Tami last week and the return of Mustafa Ali. Drake Maverick tells referee that he will take care of things if they get out of control. What, by bringing down the offers of pain? <laughs> yeah, exactly, you can do that. <clears throat> Mustafa Ali shows up and he mentions that he was hoping Drake was in his offers <laughs> of pain gear. Well, Drake says he's concerned about Ali going into the ring before he's cleared. And he says he's fine and he doesn't want to get. He doesn't want to see someone get taken advantage. Drake tells Ali he cannot enter a 205 live ring until he says so. Well, it's now Amdar versus Brian Kelly. Before the match starts, Leo Rush, Dan's favourite, makes his way to the ring. What a twat he is. <coughs> they lock up and Dar works on the arm and applies a side headlock. Dar with a shoulder tackle and he trips Kelly. Kelly misses a crossbody while Dar ducks. Dar with his knees and he hip tosses Kelly into the ropes. Kelly drops Dar on the top rope and Kelly punches Dar. Kelly with an arm bar. Dar runs into an uppercut but Kelly misses a move off the turnbuckles. Dar with an uppercut and he hits a running back elbow and a backdrop. Dar with kicks to the knee and then Dar with a running kick for the free count. Winner, Noam Dar again. He's on a roll. It's, I know, who's Noam Dar? Well, after the match, Rush gets on the announce table and applauds Dar's performance. Well, Dar invites Rush into the ring. And then he walks away because he's scared of Noam Dar. So Alexander walks in the back and he is stopped by Drake Maverick. Drake says he knows about his history with Drew. But he wants Cedric to keep this professional because he will get involved if things get out of hand. Oh, look at fucking Drake Maverick having hey, some balls Walking now. away, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we are back, and next week, Grand Metallic faces Buddy Murphy. Oh, so this view carries on. Yeah. Cedric Alexander makes his way to the ring, and he is dressed for action. Well, Cedric says he's a man of few words. He That's says... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a man of it. few words. <laughs> Is that it? Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, he says he's no, he knows why he's out here. If Drew Gulak has integrity, he will come to the ring to finish this. One of the three angle eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of Drew Gulak, TJP makes his way to the stage. TJ says he's not surprised that Gulak isn't out here because he is an opportunist. TJ says he's tired of waiting in line for an opportunity. TJ says if Cedric wants a fight, he will oblige. And then he will beat Cedric to give him a title match. Well, Perkins makes his way to the ring, but he's interrupted by Drake Maverick. Drake says, there is only one person who makes matches on 205 Live, and it's him. This isn't normally what he does, 
but he's a shameless promoter, and this is a marquee matchup. Why not have this match right now? So here we go. It's going to be oh, it's Cedric Alexander versus TJP in a non-title match. TJP with a wrist lock. <laughs> TJP with a wrist lock, but Alexander with a reversal and takedown. Alexander with a side headlock and a shoulder tackle. TJP with a nip up. Alexander with a leg trip. TJP with a waist lock and Cedric Alexander with an elbow. Alexander with a neutralizer, but TJP rolls to the floor. Alexander sets for a suicide dive and he hits it. Alexander chops TJP and sends him into the apron. TJP with a shoulder and a DDT onto the apron. Perkins with a slingshot into an octagonder with a street stretch muffler, but TJP with a roll up for a near fall. Cedric with a hand stands, head scissors and a drop kick that sends Perkins to the floor. He then sends him back into the ring, but TJP rolls to the far apron. Alexander with a kick when he rolls... Uh, Voids a shoulder from Perkins, and then TJP with an octopus in the ropes. He then kicks, and he sends Cedric's shoulder first into the turnbuckles, and then he works on his shoulder in the corner. Then hits a European uppercut, but Alexander with a forearm and chops. Perkins come back with a kick to the head, but Cedric with a drop kick to the knee that sends Perkins into the turnbuckles. Now Cedric going out to the apron. Oh, fuck off. I did you. You piece of shit. And Alexander to come back in, flies in off that bottom rope. Face first, plants Perkins into the mat. Goes oh. for a cover, but ooh, Perkins managing to kick out. Oh. Well, that was close there. But if Perkins does get a victory, we asked what was next for him. If he could beat the Cruiserweight champion, he might be the next in line. i tell you what, look how many fucking empty seats there are. Oh, my God. They're not going to try not to show a wide shot in a minute. Alexander backs Perkins up in a corner. But Perkins picking the leg, going for a roll-up. Look at that. Fucking hell. Whoa! They did not stay here tonight. And just wrenching Alexander's arm back. <clears throat> well, Cedric in a lot of trouble. Well, we know how good Perkins is. Works the arm, works the leg. TJ Pilo able to suplex Alexander. Here's the hat-trick. He goes to the cover, but Cedric managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Well, Cedric, with all the empty seats around, must be used to it because, hey, they're on SummerSlam kickoffs and stuff like that as well where people are just coming in. So I don't know why 205 Live is not at before SmackDown. I know it's meant to be live, but if if it was 205, I think that would be fine if the crowd was still into it. And It does damage your product sometimes. It's been a bit different the past couple of weeks, hasn't it? Because they've been so into the matches. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of been surprised at what it should well, be do you like. not think it should slingshot off into its own thing like basically NXT is getting its own hour shows you know just doing it like that you know in their smaller home sale arenas would you be happy with them in arenas like that I'd be I... happy with smaller arenas if they're getting the recognition they deserve yeah, but that... you know it's when you go to this how many 205 Live shirts are outside on the Smackdown banners on the Smackdown boards it's, there's not is there no there's, no, there's none you're right yeah you know, but when we went to NXT, there was all NXT shirts. And I think it would work better like that. Yeah. I think the Cruiserweight division in itself could go to NXT and be involved in that way as well to have a bit more exposure. I think it makes more sense. I think this is really sad if you look at just the amount of empty seats in the arena. I know John not trying to take away from this match, but it kind of is a bit off-putting when you consider, you know... How many people are watching on the network now? Is 205 Live could be in trouble, even though he's having great matches. Is it Cedric Alexander's fault? <laughs> Is it all him? 
Well, you know, I'm not going to say anything, but the last two weeks, Murphy was in the main event. You know. <laughs> and it was like, so oh, fuck that. If we're going to have to see that fucking ginger tosser again. Oh, come on. He, the juggernaut will be facing, speaking of uh, Buddy Murphy, he'll be facing the Cruiserweight Champion Cedric Alexander at the um, the Greatest Dome Show in Australia, in his hometown. Alexander nearly put Perkins away there. I think we should concentrate on this rather than a Super Show, Dave. <coughs> should say we'll be Who's the one that started fucking talking no, about No, no, I know, I know. I'm just correcting myself. I'm just saying that would be coming up to the WNR podcast. Of course, we'll have that on the show and, you know, let's hope Buddy Murphy can get the job done in his hometown. But there was Cedric there with the suplexes. Suplex right down into the Batbreaker. Well, that was a gut buster. The lumbar check by suplex and now he's got Perkins up trying to hit it. Inverted lumbar check because the lumbar... And TJP holds on still, gets picked up and now turns it round. Oh, looking for a Kimura lock. Oh, and Alexander might be in serious trouble now. Middle of the ring. Can't get out of this. TJP. TJP. Now he powers him up, slams him down, goes to the cover that Perkins somehow managing to kick out. Ah. You can see in the eyes of Cedric Alexander, he's shot by that. Cedric now tries to make his way back in. Spring ball time. It's caught by TJP, though. <clears throat> Again, going for that left shoulder of Alexander's. Oh, my God. He's got it. He's been working it all match. Cedric, though, managing to just roll away. But TJP rolls into the knee bar. And that is great work there by Perkins. Alexander, all sorts of pain. TJP was making him worry about the shoulder, and he goes straight after the leg. Oh, but Alexander somehow managing to get to that bottom rope. TJP set to take out his uh, opponent. He just kicks him in the head, telling him to stay down. There's all that overconfidence from Perkins, though. You know, he gets too involved in trying to hurt rather than getting the job done. We, I want to see a TJP from the Cruiserweight Classic, and at the moment he's getting outgunned by Cedric Alexander. Oh, as Alexander catches a leg, but Perkins turns it into a cross-arm breaker as Alexander rolls him up, looking for a near fall, but Perkins managing to kick out a two. Uh, two. Uh, oh, my God. Perkins tried to go for the detonation kick. Cedric turned it into lumbar check. Gets the job done. One, two, three. Jobs are good, and Alexander wins. I mean, not a bad match. I think more technical than anything else at this moment in time. Still good, but what can you say about the crowd in attendance? You know, it, it is not a good thing. Oh, Drew Gulak's music hits, though, as oh. Alexander gets his arm raved, raised. Well, my God, Drake Maverick's out here. And he... Oh, no, after that, it's, it's Drew Gulak. Drew Gulak's... <laughs> Thanks for correcting me, dick. <laughs> after the match, Drew Gulak's music plays and Drew makes his way to the ring. He congratulates Cedric on another groundbreaking performance from the age of Alexander. Did you say you wanted to finish things from Brooklyn? Drew says he's wearing his trunks and humble boots, so he accepts the challenge. My God, but Jack Halliger attacks Cedric from behind, but Cedric takes care of Jack. Gulak with a clothesline, and then he applies the goo lock. Drake sends Drew and Jack to the back. Well, he's not going to have any of it. doesn't look like goo lock, goo, goo lack, and Cedric are finished, and Cedric's got Bunny Murphy on his mind. Uh, what did you think of the match, though, Dan? I thought it was good technical between the two guys. I think, you know, these two guys, given enough time, they could have a great match. 
Uh, yeah, it's the next episode, 205 Live, the last one we're going to watch, and it is, it's episode 94, September 11th. Well, Drake Maverick says tonight is a can't-miss show. Grand Metallic will face Buddy Murphy in the opening match. Last week, Metallic beat Tony Nese, but will he be able to win two in a row? In the main event, Drew Goo, Jack Gara to face Akira Tozawa and Cedric Alexander. We're in Lafayette, Louisiana, and your announcers are Vic Joseph, Nigel McGuinness, and Percy Watson slash Jackson. And our first matchup of the night is, of course, Grand Metallic versus Buddy Murphy. And, of course, we won't be watching this because we've seen so many fucking Buddy fucking Murphy fucking matches that I'm going to go crazy if I see one more. Or Murphy with a wrist lock and Metallic with a waist lock and head scissors. Murphy and Metallic with covers, they both kick out before a count can be made. Metallic with a waist lock, but Murphy with an elbow. Metallic flips out of the way and he hits a head scissors takedown followed by a drop kick. Metallic goes for a baseball slide, but Murphy moves and he chops Metallic and then sends him into the ringside barrier. Well, Murphy sends Metallic back into the ring, but Metallic with a baseball slide and a kick from the apron. Grand Metallic goes up on top and hits a moonsault to the floor. They return to the ring and he gets a near fall. And then Murphy gets kicked on the head. Murphy responds with elbows and he sends Metallic to the apron and then into the ring post. Of course, Metallic falls to the floor and the referee starts his count. Buddy goes to the floor and he sends Metallic back to the ring. Murphy then gets a near fall. Buddy with a kick to the back. But then with a knee to the back and then he applies a rear chin lock. And I tell you what, he's looking fantastic tonight. Well, Metallic with elbows, but Murphy's able to get Metallic to the mat and he holds on to the reverse chin lock. Metallic backs Murphy into the corner, but Buddy with a kick and punches in the corner. Then he puts Metallic on the turnbuckles and then punches him. Then he sets up for a superplex, but Metallic with punches and he stops Murphy in his tracks. Grand Metallic with a sunset flip powerbomb to Murphy and both men are down. Metallic goes to the apron, hits an enziguri, and then Grand Metallic with a springboard crossbody and he follows with a boot to the head and a bulldog and then with a chop. Well, Metallic with a springboard back elbow for a near fall. Metallic gets Murphy on his shoulders, but Buddy gets to his feet. Metallic with a super kick and a moonsault from the turnbuckles. Metallic goes up top again, and Murphy crotches Metallic on the turnbuckle. Metallic knocks Murphy off the turnbuckle and goes for a moonsault, but misses. Murphy catches Metallic off the turnbuckle and hits a powerbomb. Murphy with another powerbomb for a near fall. Well, then he hits Metallic with a super kick, and then with a bicycle for a clothesline and a Metallic driver for a near fall. And then Grand Metallic kicks Murphy, but... Murphy sends Metallic to the apron. He catches Metallic off the ropes and Metallic with elbows. Murphy flips Metallic over and Metallic's knees buckle. Then Murphy with a running knee to the head and he sets for Murphy's law and gets the free count. Yeah, so your winner, my man, Buddy Murphy. After the match, Buddy gets on the mic and said he said it before and he will say it again. You can't stop the unstoppable. He says he's the strongest and fastest in the division, which he is. This is a step towards his title match in Melbourne where he becomes the next Cruiserweight champion. And I wholeheartedly agree. Well, could this be a sign of things to come? I mean, you know, winning it in his own home country? Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, Vic Joseph mentions that Mustafa Ali has been medically cleared to wrestle and we will see him in action tonight. Wow. Well, let's see what happened when Ali faced Hideo Itami last month. Wow, that was that was impressive. Uh, Mustafa Ali's in a locker room and Cedric Alexander stops by. Cedric risks him luck in his match and he says, Try 5 Live has not been the same. Ali says he's fine and says he wishes he was teaming up with Cedric tonight. Alexander tells him to get back where he needs to be. 
Alexander says he's happy with his tag team partner. We'll see Akira Tazara in the room. And he waves at Alexander and Ali. They wave back. Yes, and up next is Mustafa Ali versus local competitor Michael Thompson. Not Michael Thompson. The Michael Thompson. Well, before the match can start, Hidao Itami's music plays and he makes his way to the stage. Itami says something to Ali in Japanese. He said he came to watch Ali's match because he's missed Ali. He hopes Ali is feeling better and wishes him good luck. See, James and Ali, they've both been out ill. I know, I know. And at least least Itami has been nice to Ali. You've been to me. Well, Ali with chops and follows with a dropkick. Ali with a chop in the corner. Ali slides to the corner and flips over and avoids a splash into the corner. Ali with a slingshot roll and X-Factor. Always love that move. Ali is sent into the turnbuckles. Then Mustafa lands on his feet on a belly-to-back suplex attempt. He hits a super kick to the back. He goes up top and hits the revert... What did I call That's it? 450. Uh, and he hits the reverse 450 for the free count. The inverted 450 for the free count. Your winner, Mustafa Ali. Well, Drake Maverick in his office and he brings in Drew Gulak and Jack Archer. Drake says he's excited for the main event and he hopes the match does not fall into chaos. Drew says he was answering Cedric's challenge last week, but he wants to put the past in the past. They're going to dedicate their victory to their injured comrade, Brian Kendrick, who is at home. Jack says that he hopes Drake does not get too preoccupied with the Authors of Pain. Well, Drew- and, sorry to interrupt, but I actually saw quite an interesting video of... Uh, the Brian Kendrick the other day. Um, it, it happened during a, an episode of SmackDown. And I believe it was Mark Henry was coming out, making his way to the ring, and Brian Kendrick ran past him naked and then runs around the announce table. Oh, Spanky. Spanky. Yeah, yeah. I'll get old Spanky. Do you know, he held the WWF, WWF title for about two, three minutes in the championship scramble, the Lee Brian Kendrick. The heavyweight championship. Yeah, he, he was there, and obviously the match didn't end. But at that point, he had Ezekiel Jackson in his corner, and they thought maybe... It's weird what he's done throughout his, his life, really, Kendrick. Anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Drew, and he's only hoping for a positive working relationship when he becomes cruiserweight champion. Well, we're back with comments from Noam Da. He says... He tells Leo that he knows how hot shot on 205 Live. But he tells Leo if he wants to make a big deal about making it to 205 Live at 23, he did it at 22. Leo Rush asks if Dar didn't learn from Akira Tozawa to keep his name out of your mouth. Leo says Dar has peaked while Rush is on the upswing. Next week, Dar will feel the rush. He will not feel the rush. He will feel the rush. Well, Drew Gulak and Jack Archer versus Akira Tozawa and Cedric Alexander is our main event. Mm, Gulak and Alexander start things off and Drew's his boots. They lock up and they have a series of standard switches until Alexander get, takes Gulak to the mat. Cedric with a back heel kick and he sets up for a lumbar check, but Gulak escapes and goes into the corner to talk to his partner. Haha tags in and hits a wrist lock. Alexander reverse on side headlock takedown. Jack escapes and he works on the hand and fingers. Alexander with a handstand head scissors followed by a drop kick. Cedric sends Gallagher into the turnbuckles and tags into Zara. Alexander with chops and then Gallagher flinches and he's hit with a double jab. Gulak tags in Tazawa. Oh, Gulak tags in and Tazawa with a jab to Gulak and Drew goes down. Drew with a sunset flip but Tazawa rolls through and kicks Gulak and hits the back sent on for a near fall. Gulak with a punch and a knee to Tazawa. Tazawa with a satellite into an octopus. That sounds like a really fucking weird move, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I'm going to hit you with a satellite and I'm going to transition into... I love you, every nip, brother, like an octopus. <laughs> well, Drew gets to the ropes with force. Tozawa to release the hold. And Tozawa kicks Gulak and applies a side headlock. Well, Gulak tags in and Tozawa goes for a crossbody, but it's caught by both men and slammed. Gulak with an elbow drop and then Gulak stretches Tozawa until Akira can get to the ropes. Jack with a kick and a takedown for a near fall. Then with a knee to the midsection, Gulak tags in and he punches Tozawa in that midsection. He then sends Tazawa into the turnbuckle and then Jack tags in and connects with a headbutt. Love that move. Tazawa with punches, but Gallagher with a European uppercut for a near fall. Well, Gallagher with a need to keep Tazawa from making a tag. Gulak tags back Gulak tags back in and he connects with a boot in the corner. Drew gets a near fall and then he tags Gallagher back in and Gallagher with a chop. He then stands on Tazawa's head and knocks Alexander off the apron. Gulak and Gallagher double-team Tazawa while Alexander takes the referee's attention from the match. Gulak tags in and he applies a side, he applies a wrist lock and then hits a side Russian leg sweep and rolls through into a powerbomb for a near fall. Gulak goes for a powerbomb but Tazawa blocks it. Akira counters a powerbomb into the DDT and both men are down. Gulak tags in and so does Cedric. He hits a clothesline and a block kick. Alexander with a back elbow and a neutraliser for a near fall. Jack blocks a lumbar check and he gets a near fall with a roll-up. Cedric with a standing C4 for a near fall. He's up the cover and he stays in the ring and then says thank to Alexander and then leaves the ring. Well, Gallagher sidesteps Alexander but Cedric with a forearm. Gallagher with a running drop kick and gets a near fall. Tazawa, uh, Gallagher sends Tazawa to the floor. Gulak tags in. They hit a clothesline and fly a knee combo but Alexander kicks out. Uh-huh. Gallagher tags in. They go for a double suplex but Alexander blocks it. Then he lands on his feet and kicks Gulak, uh, kicks Gallagher. Tazawa tags in and Gulak and Alexander go to the floor. Tazawa with a missile drop kick and Tazawa with a back heel and a spinning heel kick that sends Gallagher to the floor. Well, Tazawa with a suicide dive headbutt or like we call it a... I Kamikaze, kamikaze dive, yeah, yeah. Tazawa with a suicide dive headbutt. Then they return to the ring. Tazawa goes up for the back senton, but Gulak puts Gallagher out of the ring. Cedric goes after Gulak and he punches him. Forearm to Alexander, followed by a European uppercut. Gulak chops Alexander and sends him to the ring post. Gallagher with a red butt to the upper chest. Gallagher pulls Tazawa into the corner and Gulak tags in and applies the Gulak and Tazawa taps out. And your winners, Jack Gallagher and Drew Gulak. My God, so Drake Maverick is asked about the main event. He says that Drew Gulak is deserving a title match. And since Cedric wants to do it as well, Cedric will defend the Cruiserweight Championship next week on 205 Live. And that will be on our next net review. That will be for October. That will bring that to you next month. And that is it for this month's 205 Live. Dan, what have you thought? It's been interesting, but it's not been NXT. It hasn't, but Buddy Murphy's putting a couple of great I performances. There's been a couple of great matches. Come on now. Against the, the um Don't care. Lucha House Party has been brilliant. And and his match against Kalisto as well has been really uh, top notch. Oh, is it? Still don't care. I hope Buddy Murphy can become Cruiserweight champion because he has been the, the must see thing on two oh five live recently. <gasps> Still don't care. Alright, so we move on to news then. And all in. On May 16th, 2017, wrestling journalist Dave Meltzer was asked on Twitter whether he thought Ring of Honor, the company the Young Bucks and Rose are contracted to, would ever sell out a 10,000-seat arena. It was a monumental task. No one outside of WWE had drawn a crowd that big in the US since WCW went under in 2001. 
a span of 17 years. Ring of Honor was on the upswing, but still well short of where WCW was, even in its dying, to say nothing of present-day WWE. So Meltzer replied with the only thing that seemed reasonable, not any time soon. 11 minutes later, Rhodes fired off the tweet, that would set everyone on a course towards history. I'll take that bet, Dave. The decision slowed from there. They stationed a show in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, a suburb 30 miles northwest of Chicago, where the local Sears Center Arena boasted a capacity of more than 10,000. They filled out the ca- crap. Ah. They filled out the card with a core of themselves, as well as Omega, Hangman Page, and the villain Marty Skrull, their close friends and stable mates in the Bullet Club. The faction they all wrestled under in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Slowly they rolled out other talent to augment it, from global stars such as Kazuki Okada to up-and-comers like MJF taking care never to announce a full match. They secured, they secured a deal to broadcast a show via pay-per-view. They kept corporate sponsorships to a minimum. Tickets went on sale May 13th, 2018, almost one year to the day after the bet with Meltzer was placed. The Bullet Club crew, Sans Omega, convened in downtown Chicago to hold a press conference to help drum up ticket buys. They arrived carrying a trump card in their pocket, the announcement of Mysterio perhaps the biggest free agent in wrestling. If nothing else, they figured it would juice ticket sales over the ensuing three and a half months. After all, it would be foolish to expect a show this large to sell out in a few minutes. I mean, they were right. It took 29 minutes and 36 seconds to sell out. Jesus. So after all that, the story all in was this weekend, September 1st. Uh, We both saw, well, I I saw the event. We both saw the event. We both got uh, thoughts about what happened in it. So we're going to do what we've never probably done before, and this is focus on an independent wrestling show as it is, because it is big news, you know. Uh, no one has done this apart from WWE, like we say, for 17 years. So let's just run through the card and a couple of quick thoughts about it. So match one was So Cole Uncensored, which was Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, and they beat the Briscoe Brothers, which is Jay and Mark, and obviously it's a tag team match. Well, this was the first of two matches for the WGN portion of All In called Zero Hour. This was an excellent match that the crowd loved. The action was crisp and got the night started off right. Match two, the over-the-budget Battle Royal, and of course the winner of that was Flip Gordon. Well, this had a few surprises like Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer, but the big shot came from Flip Gordon, dressed in a mask and winning the match by eliminating Ray. Flip took the mask off and Ray was pissed. The crowd was thrilled that Flip won, and so was I. I forgot about the possibility of putting Flip in as a surprise. With the end of this excellent match, All In ended zero-hour part of the card and entered the pay-per-view properly. Yeah, I mean, the first match to start of the pay-per-view properly was Matt Cross beating Michael J. Fox. No, this was an excellent match that opened the pay-per-view. You can expect to see the same great stunts that the very best young lions of the sport have perfected, but embodied with an admit. Immediately, that is only possible with this event. Now, uh, <clears throat> up next, it was a match that kind of catches our eye. We're fans of the DC verse and uh, Arrow in particular, and this was um, Christopher Daniels going against Stephen Amell, who plays Oliver Queen, aka the Green Arrow. Mm. Uh, this ended up being a really good match. Amell showed more promise than Roman Reigns does, which is pretty good praise from us. Daniels did a great job at keeping ML going and proved to be 
one great ring generation. Yeah, I mean, all the praise to Amel, but it was Daniels here, the, the veteran guy, uh, kind of kept the spots together. Uh, but I, I feel uh, it was a great match. What, what did you think of it, seeing as you're such a big Stephen Amel fan? <laughs> well, for someone who isn't a wrestler, you know, he's we've seen him do the Ninja Warrior UK yeah. course, and we've seen him in action on the green arrow, so he's used to his stunts and that. But, you know, doing a coast-to-coast, which isn't an easy move, um, and doing a really badly failed table <laughs> dive as well, and still managing to get up and keep your wearable to carry on a match. And just, you know, just to have a very good match as well, it's, you know, it's not easy. You know, we've seen the likes of uh, David Arden, you know, even going back to uh, Dennis Rodman and what they've been producing, Cole Malone in WCW 20 years ago, you know, it's... Well, and, and, yeah, I know, I know, exactly. So, as a, as a celebrity being involved in it, it's great. The other thing I like about it, Stephen Rowe is obviously a fan, or uh, obviously a friend of Cody Rose. And, you know, they worked together when he was uh, Cody was Stardust in WWE. And you think, oh, did, was he going to be, like, loyal to WWE? But no, Stephen Rowe, he's on his own right. He's got a lot of social media fans. You know, like I say, DC Universe and the TV show, The Arrowverse, is, is massive as well. Uh, and to be involved in that, and to be a fan, and to have Cody involved in this, and then to be there. It just seems like a really nice thing that they did, and to put his body on the line. I'm surprised they signed off with him being able to wrestle, when you consider, you know, you could... Re- I know they probably already filmed most of it now, you know, but the following season's coming up as well. Match 5, Tessa Blanchard beat Madison Rain, Britt Breaker, and Chelsea Green in a four-way women's match. This was really good, and it gave the right women the win. The action was crisp and fluid. Tessa came out of this looking like a second coming of Medusa. We all know how good Medusa was. Blanche really impressed me, but all these four women impressed me. And this is the thing I like about women's wrestling. It's not just in the WWE at the moment. They showcase it at the All-In event, and we can see it kind of worldwide how good women's wrestling actually is. As well. Blanchard, she was in last year's May Young Classic. And she was my pick in the May Young Classic last year, yep. Yes. But, you know, anyway, it was it was a good match. Nonetheless, um, match six, it was Cody Rhodes, and he beat Nick Aldis in the National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Championship match. And this is, um, you know, it has got a lot of meaning to it, this title belt. I mean, because it was held by the great Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes, baby. Well, this, as if you talk about a, a world title belt, goes back to, I would say, kind of 1902, the George Hackenschmidt and Frank A. Gotch, because the thing about it is, is that's the lineage that the NWA as the National Wrestling Alliance had during that time period as well. And it was only until the 60s or 70s, or even the 70s, when WF made their own world title, and of course the AWA did as well. Then that started branching out, and this is like I said, associated not only all that history there, people like Lou Fez and the Briscoe Brothers and the Funks, but moving up as well into the eighties and being a part with WWE with Dusty Rhodes, Bebe, and Ric Flair and Sting and everybody involved, and then of course falling out with that. Uh, we, we even saw the NWA title being uh, defended by Jeff Jarrett on the uh, episode of Raw in nineteen ninety eight, didn't we? You know, so it's kind of this is the struggles it had. Connection with TNA and the, the, the NWA champions. So it Angle. is the slag of title. It belts. literally it's been around is. A lot. But this is why I love Cody Rose. He's seen this and and he's still out of all the titles in the world. No disrespect to Ring of to anybody like that. But the NWA title the lineage, you could argue. That that is bigger than any other world title in the sport, given the correct storylines yeah. and stuff like this as well. Another thing about the AW, NWA title quickly: Billy, Cor- Billy Corrigan, um, 
was involved with Impact, and now he's bought the NWA. He's trying to change that as well. So there's a lot of change to go in the NWA and with Cody Rhodes versus Nick Aldis. Uh, what do you think of the match, Dan? Uh, well, this was the of their careers, and it was a crowning achievement of Rhodes' professional life. Rhodes was a man possessed by a greater purpose than he's ever had before, and he channeled that purpose into every second of this match. This should have been the main event, but at least it had all of the time it needed to become the great match that it deserved to be. The NWO, the NWA world title has been resurrected once again. Yeah, and if you don't believe that, just go back and watch a video clip of the ending of it with Cody Rhodes, you know, Cody covered in blood, lifting the NWA title up. It is, uh, and that's a great moment. I really was surprised that it was kind of middle of the card, but there is reasonings for that as well. After that, we had Hangman Page beating Joey Janelli in a Chicago street fight. This was a wild brawl that took some dangerous risks that I don't condone, but at least it was done as a matter of sincerity. These guys really put their backs into it, so to speak. I leave it to you to decide if these guys went too far. There were some really sick bumps in this matchup, and, you know, it's not based, I understand, but I feel they give us a little bit of everything as well along the card. Match 8, and it is um, Jay Lethal, and he was going against... Uh... The man who won the over-budget Battle Royal, and that was Flip Gordon for the Ring of Honor World Championship. And this was an excellent match that gave Flip his big moment for All In. I'm surprised Lethal didn't have the title moved off him, considering that accusations made against Lethal. That being said, the match is really good one and should set the stage for going forward. And I believe, um, didn't Jay Lethal come out in his machismo Get up, get up. Well, he's machismo gimmick. Yeah, we got the news of the night. Yeah. Um, match nine, Kenny Omega beat Pentagon. This was a fantastic match every step of the way. This is everything I thought it would be and more. And seriously, Kenny Omega and Pentagon. Pentagon involved in Lucha Underground. Uh, and, of course, we know about Kenny Omega, the old uh, new Tramp Pro wrestler. This was a kind of uh, first-time ever dream match that you get in that pay-per-view as well. And... WWE are interested in these two guys, and if you watch the match, you'll realise why and how good they are anyway. It really was next-level shit. Kazuhichi Okada, and he beat Marty Skrill, the villain Marty Skrill. Um, this was a fabulous match. I had an awful lot of wrestling in it, uh, an awful lot of great wrestling in it. I love this one. I would love to see more between these two. Yeah, The, the story of it was uh, Marty Skrill couldn't be a heavyweight challenger because he was even too small the cats wasn't great could he hang with one of the greatest kind of heavyweights that japan has seen in a carder and that was the story of the match and even though skull uh, lost it took three rainmakers to put him down which usually you know one rainmaker would do it the story told in it i think was perfect and it's great that someone like mighty skull and i want to say just because we've met him but having the match of the night at all in gone yeah well no and i was just saying a fella and we met him when he was just Party Marty. Oh, I know. This is before he became, you know, the villain and the huge character that he is today. Um, and he was a down-to-earth guy, even though he played a hill yeah, during, yeah. The, during the event we saw. He was an absolute down-to-earth guy. You know, I had photos taken with myself, yourself and my little brother. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, it was, it was a, a, you know, a great thing to meet him. Yeah, and, and this is the thing why it's worth going to independent shows around. Independent wrestling, yeah. You're, in a selfish way, you'll never know if these guys might become, one of them might become one of the biggest stars of all time, you know? Right, so, you know, and just saying that we've met Colt Cabana, yeah. which is your idol. <laughs> yeah. We've met um, Drew McIntyre, Drew which McIntyre. is another one of your idol, mm-hmm. current tag team champion. We've met Ricochet, current USA uh, North American heavyweight champion, or whatever it is. 
um you know and again he's another down-to-earth great guy we've you know we've met a lot of yep. um apollo Crews. apollo Crews, yeah our nation when he was making his way i mean there it was there and, is you know and these to get autographs off and we've got a pair of five uh, or you know just it's a small amount compared to yeah having to queue up and wait in a 20 50 thousand man line to go and get an autograph in a few seconds how long was the conversation you had with Drew McIntyre? Well, I should say, yeah, I know, I know, exactly. And don't don't go telling people you told him that you're going to go back to WWE. Yeah, I said this you're is gonna the You're going to go plan. to NXT. Yeah. Don't give me that bother. I was there and I was stood next to you. No. You can ask his dad, James. No, but the thing is about it, though, it, it is, is this is the thing, is that Ricochet and McIntyre never charged for the pictures. <laughs> and that's a fact. They so, probably did, Charles, but we didn't we pay didn't, for them. We didn't do it. We were like, no, no, you don't know who we are. We're big fans. Um, match 11, the main event of the night, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson versus Kota Ibushi. No, and Kota Shit me. The Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson with Kota Ibushi beat Rey Mysterio, Fenix and Bandido in a six-man tag team match. Well, this was a great match and a fine main event. People ate this match up. As they should. Yeah, people were saying it's a bit short, but I think the reason why they put this on last is so everybody else could have their time in the match. And then the Young Bucks, you know, maybe cut it short a little bit. Kota Ibushi, interesting enough, you're picking the Cruiserweight Classic going back a couple of years now. I mean, that's two or three years ago. Of course, Rey Mysterio there as well. Uh, so that was a, a great main event. And overall, the show was great. But uh, news of the nights. So we've got a couple of news of the nights. Road Warrior Animal was a guest. Jay Lethal, Colt Cabana and Flip Gordon fought off Bully Ray. Lanny Poffo was in the corner of Jay Lethal, who worked the match as Black Machismo. And Lanny Poffo is, of course, um, Macho Man's son. Yep. Um, Chris Jericho dressed up as Pentagon and attacked Kenny Omega after the latter's victory. I mean, this was fucking huge news. You know, Jer- Jericho at the moment says some weird fucking ass things about being as big a Brock Lesnar and stuff like this. But... To to be the NW, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Intercontinental Champion uh, and to be involved in this event like this and attacking uh, Kenny Omega, it's really fucking weird what's going on. Jericho is making himself kind of like the internet, the independent darling of professional wrestling, you know. He's bringing Ring of Honor and uh, TNA to get Impact Wrestling together on a kind of cruise that he's doing in October as well. So Jericho really starting to believe his own hype. But I, I loved it when I saw Jericho. I was like, fuck me! I was like, Jericho! Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, of course, DDP worked the event in Cody Rhodes' corner. Yeah. I mean, this is a 4.5 out of 5. It's a great card. That was a resounding success. The production quality, even with a few mistakes, was great and was comparable to WWE. And that is saying something when it comes to that. This could be the start of something beautiful. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Potential there, isn't it? <laughs> uh, a definite lot of potential. Uh, Cody Rhodes' big weekend raised the eyebrow of The Rock. Although the People's Champ created his legacy in WWE, Rocky is a well-documented fan of all facets of wrestling, uh, of the wrestling industry, and the significance of Rhodes' historic NWA title win, title win, which not which did not go unnoticed by the most electrifying man in all of entertainment. He says, "Congrats, my friends! So fucking cool. That's some real legacy in history you're now part of. Proud of you. Your pops is looking down and smiling big." And ten, hashtag £10 of gold, hashtag NWA Headwreck Champion. And that's from Dwayne Johnson. I mean, that, how fucking cool is Dwayne Johnson, should I say? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and Cody Rhodes went on to reply, all in the family, thank you for paving the road for us. 
And, you know, that was obviously Cody Rhodes. I know. Lo- lovely by Cody. But, I mean, the rock man is a huge star. He doesn't need to do shit like that. And it just shows uh, how much he does care about the rest of the industry. And like I would say, it is fucking cool. Like I said, Dusty Rhodes and now Cody Rhodes being NWA champions. It is, you know, it is a really, really cool thing. And another cool thing is All In looks like to be a financial success as well. It pulled in 11,263 fans at the gate for a gate of $458,525. Between All In and Starcast, Fight TV pulled in over 1 million iPay-per-view sales. That works out to 20,000 to 25,000 iPay-per-view buys between the two events. This does not include any traditional pay-per-view buys or possible bumps in subscriptions to the Honor Club or the New Japan Well Services, which has also carried the event. Now, I mean, like I said, it's great news that it was such a success, and you know, uh, and the wrestling world has changed somewhat when when this has happened. I want Cody to go on to have success that he has, but part of me wants all this in WWE. I want I want the young bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I want Kenny Omega. Or I want uh, <laughs> Cody. Am I being selfish there? Should I just let independent wrestling have them? <laughs> well, you know, it's when we had him, we didn't appreciate him, and now he's gone. We want him more than ever. I, I know it is mental, and he said as well, and I believe him because everything he says, you know, he said he's made over a million this year uh, working on the independence. And when you consider what full twelve, fourteen people in WWE are getting more than seven figures a year, you know, like we know the guys who are getting the serious money, but then you go to middle of the road packs, you know, how much like how much is Drew McIntyre get? I know it's he's probably going to get and oranges yeah. yeah exactly you know but is is do you go down the card is he happy if it, uh, it's a great thing and that's why we thought fo- we fo- focus on it the next big thing for kind of ring of honor is with their show with new japan pro wrestling in madison square garden the the, the thing i don't think it's the biggest deal is all in event is because that's over wrestlemania weekend and you're taking advantage of wwe whereas this one you did it yourself so fair yeah. play to cody rose and i think that's fair so about all in down anything else about that no on to Daniel Bryan. Yes, Daniel Bryan is reportedly on the verge of finalising the deal to remain with WWE. Well, according to Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Bryan has signed his new contract, and that was last week. The contract isn't official since WWE has yet to sign off on it, but it is reported a formality. Bryan's contract was set to expire September 1st, but he made it clear last month that he'd like to remain with the company. Well, in an interview with Sam Roberts for the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, the fifth greatest podcast after, of course, the number one from the WNR, Brian said, I think at this point it would be a 90 plus percent with regards to the odds of re-signing with WWE. Brian also explained why re-signing process was taking so long in an interview with Max Lawton of Fox Sports. This is the first time in my career ever. The thing that's taking so long with all of it is I've never hired a lawyer before to look at a contract. So this is the first time I've done it. So it just takes longer than usual. My last contract, I think I signed it in 2012. So then I wasn't married with Bree, Bella and I were together. But I wasn't married. So you're trying to get all your ducks in a row. Especially because I'm older and married and have a baby. There were some thoughts that Brian would test the open market since he would have been the hottest free agent in wrestling. New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, and essentially every major company, major, major company, company, outside WWE likely would have had significant interest. Instead, Brian appears... Content to stay with the company has been part of in some capacity since 2010. Brian returned to active comp- competition this year at WrestleMania 34 after missing three years due to head injuries and has been a key part of the SmackDown Live roster ever since. 
In a move that may have made it even more exciting for Brian to stay, WWE booked him in a tag team match for the September 16th Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Him team with his wife, Brie, against The Miz and Maurice. And now we're talking about Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana took to his Art of Wrestling podcast, the fourth best wrestling podcast in the world, and briefly touched on his current unpaid legal fees lawsuit against former best friend CM Punk. There was some news that got leaked out. I understand it was going to happen. This is the perfect place for me to be right now because I was super stressed out when it got leaked out and people were talking about it. I don't even want people talking about it. I just want to be in my own. That's all I want. And luckily, I just go to shows and I go to perform and I don't have to think about any of that. All I want is for this thing to be settled, to be done with and to move on with my life. Well, Cabana added that he doesn't have anything else to say about CM Punk or the lawsuit and will attempt to refrain speaking further on the subject until everything unfolds. Uh, Cabana did address rumours that he was backstage at a WWE show. He said, I don't know who spread this rumour that I was backstage at the WWE. Last WWE, I did a podcast with Hornswoggle. It was a house show, and that was probably four years ago. The internet doesn't always get it right. That's okay, they're known for that. It's kind of the charm of the internet. The, the one thing I don't like about it, I don't call Cabana speaking down to me. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm yeah. a fan of Colt, but come on now, mate. You know, easy, well, easy. Well, being tiger. the fourth best wrestling <laughs> podcast, you know, it's got to be saying hard to him. It's obviously weird top. We've got yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin yeah. podcast number two. Yeah, Jericho's at number three. Jericho is number three. Colt Cabana's number four, and the Sam Roberts is number five. <laughs> yeah, I'm five. surprised you put it that high up. <laughs> you know, I know, but... I know you like it. <laughs> well, well, anyway, we mentioned him on controversial characters. All In was a special show, but apparently Joey Mercury wasn't able to enjoy the groundbreaking event because he was preoccupied by the Chicago PD. Mercury was staying at the hotel outside Chicago, but for some reason he was sleeping in his car, as reported by PW Insider. Police showed up and they ran his information. At that time, the former WWE superstar and current Ring of Honor producer was found to have an outstanding warrant in Orange County, Florida. He was taken into custody on Saturday morning. At this time, we were unsure what the charges are. That they that were found, but we'll keep you posted as always. Yeah, I mean, Mercury's was supposed to help book the over the budget Battle Royal during All In Zero Hour show and work backstage during the event, but those roles obviously had to be changed. Well, please investigate Jason Sensation's threat. He'll shoot himself at WWE Raw. Well, a man who impersonated former WWE star Owen Hart left side of Raw threatened to shoot himself during the Raw broadcast from Toronto. Weirdly enough, we had seen this episode of Raw. Uh, what is it, a month ago or so? And we asked who it was, Jason Sensation, and this is the dude now. Yeah, this is carried on from our controversial characters. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> I got my gun through security and will shoot myself in the head and kill myself during tonight's hashtag roar in Toronto. Don't you dare miss it. Thanks for the memories at WWE. Read the sen- since-deleted tweet posted to Jason Sensation's Twitter account per Ben Jordan Kerrin of Wrestling News Source. Well, the to- Toronto Police would later release a statement confirming sensation was not at the arena, uh, per Wrestling Sheet. There were numerous tweets to Toronto Police regarding a threat made by Jason Sensation over Twitter. We have been investigating it thoroughly. We are with Mr. Sensation now. He never was at the Scotiabank Arena. There is no cur- there's no concern for public safety. Well, Sean Ross Sapp said both WWE and the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto were made aware of the tweet as well. During the July 6th, 1998 edition of Raw, Sensation imperted... Hu- <coughs> During the July 6th, 1998 edition of Raw, Sensation impersonated Hart as part of a sketch show in which Degeneration X 
mimicked the nation of domination. And Vince Russo, Dan's Twitter friend, was the WWE head writer at the time, wrote a message to Sensation on Twitter. He said, brother, I hope you're kidding. Just try calling and texting. Please, man, you have an army of people out here to take care for you. Please. Well, Mark Middleton of Wrestling Inc. received a text from Russo confirming the tweet was a joke and Sensation is okay. Well, that is hilarious joke, you know, but that's what some people do to, you know, go back and watch it on the network. Uh, WWE will turn to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia for a special event on Friday, November 2nd. PW, uh, PWI Insider first reported the news on Wednesday afternoon. So, right, you're telling me, yeah, that we've got an event on your birthday and these cunts can't even put an event on my <laughs> birthday. They have to put it the day before my fucking birthday. Well, obviously, I spoke to them and said, can you do it for that day? Because then we can do it on Saturday. <clears throat> This will be the second WWE show from the country of the year after the Greatest Royal Rumble back in April. Beyond that, details are scarce. WWE confirmed the location of the upcoming Saudi Arabia show and whether or not it will air on the WWE Network. As part of planning for WWE's return to Saudi Arabia on November the 2nd, the company's previously scheduled European dates for October have been rescheduled to May 2019. Yeah, that's quite a big change because, you know, we've got Raw and SmackDown in November in the UK, so they're going to switch it around. The November 2nd event is part of W's obviously multi-year deal with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Although the Great Royal Rumble was a financial success, it's not without controversy. Due to the country's conservative social climate, female superstars were not allowed to participate in the first event. W co-president Michelle William Wilson addressed the situation, situation during the W's Quarter 1 2018 investor call. I think everyone is familiar with the fact that we have obviously been very vocal about our female performers and rebranding them as superstars, said Wilson. We feel really good about our continued commitment on that front. There are many countries around the world where perform we are respected to the cultures, uh, and we're respectful to the cultures there. But we certainly hope to be part of the change moving forward. And WWE Executive Triple H will also address this sensitive issue, noting that the first show was a foot in the door with hopes that progress will be made over time. Well, you know... A week before, they've got an all-women's pay-per-view, so... Mm. Do you think that's why they scheduled it for, really? Because they thought, we've got this Saudi Arabia show coming up. Why don't we just say, oh, look, that was a women's one, this is a men's one. <coughs> well, shortly after the Greatest Royal Rumble, the Yemen-based branch of the terrorist organisation Al-Qaeda issued a warning to the Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, calling his efforts to liberate, liberalise the kingdom as sinful projects the Crown Prince was accused of opening the door wide for corruption and moral degradation by allowing WWE and other aspects of Western culture into the Middle Eastern country. Well, you talk about moral, moral degradation and big cass. There were, <laughs> there were a lot of rumours around the lease from WWE when it happened back in June. There were talk of personal conduct issues like drinking on a tour, having heat with a locker room, allegedly refusing to rehearse a promo, and possibly also disobeying direct orders from the big boss himself, Vincent Mann. The long and short of it, obviously he was too much trouble than he was worth, and he wasn't worth the steam off of my piss. During a recent interview with Booker T on his Heat and Conversation podcast, the number six best podcast in the world, he was asked about this and straight out said W did the right thing, let him go. This is Transcription via Wrestling Inc. If I'm going to be honest with you, I made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes in a very short period of time. I did some things that I shouldn't have done. I guess the company couldn't rely on me and couldn't trust me. Look, I'll be honest with you, in my opinion, they made the right decision for them. It was the right decision to get rid of me at that point in time. Not to say I won't be back, but at that point in time, they definitely made the right decision for them. To be honest with you, looking at it, they made the right decision for me. Everyone makes mistakes. but when Mistakes in that short period of time, you lose people's trust and you're not reliable anymore. I definitely wouldn't have fired myself. You definitely would have fired. 
I definitely would have fired myself. If I was in Vince McMahon's position, I would have fired myself for sure, 100%. Fucking hell. Well, he says like, that he goes to work his way back to WWE after run on the independent scene, but it's quite clear from his comments he is trying to say the right things. Whatever he may have done to be released, he sure seems to be holding himself accountable for his actions while pledging to put his time into work his way back. Well, in the famous words of Daniel Bryan, No! No! <laughs> no! Talk about injuries now. It's not good for you, Dan. Oh, no, it's not good for me. But breaking, due to an injury sustained at the weekend, Tony Storm is out of this week's progress show in Hamburg, Oberhausen and Frankfurt. News soon on a replacement. Tony Storm featured in May Young Classic this year, but luckily for her and you, Dan, it's already been taped. Progress Wrestling has confirmed that NXT UK superstar Tony Storm will be cleared to return to the ring in time for the big September 30th event from the SSC Arena in Wembley, London, England. She will face Ginny and Millie in a triple threat. Storm suffered an undisclosed injury at the NXT UK TV tapings in Birmingham, England on August 26th during the NXT UK Women's Title Tournament. So you are so lucky. Storm, it wasn't a serious injury for her. She is recovered and ready to fight on. We talk about returns. It's been over seven months since Samir Singh went down with a torn ACL, but it looks like he's almost ready to return to WWE television. Singh underwent surgery in late January. He's been training hard in the gym. It looks like that trip. I would love to see the Bollywood boys make a return to 205 Live. <laughs> a torn ACL is usually an injury that will keep a wrestler sideline for about nine months. It looks like it's healed well. And if all goes well, then he should be back in action within the next month or two, probably as part of Jinder Mahal's act alongside brother Sunil. Well, W never confirmed how he was injured, but apparently it happened on episode SmackDown Live in January when the Singh brothers attacked Bobby Roode. That's what you get when you attack Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode, a dangerous, dangerous wrestler, and that's why he's tagging with fucking Chad Gable on heat. Fuck off. (laughs) Well, Singh wrote the following on Twitter alongside a before and after photo. Seven months is a long time to be on the sidelines. I've had a lot of time to think. The rehab process has been long and frustrating, but I wanted to get back in the best shape of my life. The road to recovery is a long one, but I was very happy with my checking results this week. And if you've seen the picture, he is absolute, absolute, absolute. I wrote three words. I didn't know how to spell absolute. Out of the three there, what do you think is correct? The second one. <laughs> Absolent. Absolent. He was absolute. Yes, it is time for the Raw review. Yeah, and a couple of quick news stories this week, Dan. What do you think of Raw, anyway? I, I didn't think it was too bad. There was uh, a few progressive storylines going on there. Um, a few good moments as well. One that uh, will interest you is new tag team. Um, the team of uh, Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler attacked. The Revival on their way down to the ring, as per Baron Corbin said, that if Revival can't make it to the match, he'll make something else happen. The Revival was attacked backstage. Their music hit. They didn't come out for their match against the B-team, B-team, go, go, go. Uh, instead, it was uh, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre that came down, fought them. It wasn't a one-sided match, which I'd have assumed. Yeah. Um, and managed to capture the Tag Team Championships. No, it's a great moment for Drew McIntyre, finally winning gold back in WWE and you know the way he's being booked at the moment you you honestly think he is going to be not the next big thing but 
you you would think he's going to be champion down the road. What happens to Strowman as well is another thing. You know, it, it's, it's it's interesting, but another way you don't want people to lose their momentum. You know, and I think Ziggler is the one getting really helped out by all this. He's like, cannot believe his fucking luck at the moment. He's like, he's getting minute. rubbed like a good one. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm over champion. He's like, here we go. But uh, no, I think it's interesting what they're doing there. Uh, but what about Alexa Bliss, Dan? Yes, Alexa Bliss has been part of several big moments since she was called up from NXT. In a manner of speaking, everything she's done has been notable. After all, she's a five-time, 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 five-time women's champion at this point, and she's only been on the main roster for a couple of years. Uh, Bliss was able to Bliss was able to pull down a victory on Raw this week as she defeated Natalia to hype Bliss's eventual match against Ronda Rousey at Hell in a Cell for the Raw Women's title. This was a pretty good match. What do you mean? Pre- oh, okay. But what it really meant for Bliss might speak much more when you look at her record. Well, thanks to Ray Mundo on Reddit for pointing out... Thanks to you, Dan. Thanks to me on, and my sources for pointing this out to us, to, to you. As we observe, impressive about Bliss, not her... Hang on. Not the two things. (laughs) No, no, no. Last night was the first time Alexa Bliss has won a match with nothing on the line since May 22nd, 2017. The last time she's actually won a match that didn't have any stakes to it, i.e. a title match, number one contender match, qualifier match, just a regular match, was all the way back on May 22nd, uh, 2017 on Raw against Mickey James. Also another fun fact, it was her first submission victory. Well, Alexa has some work to do on her arm bar, but it was enough to get the job done against Natalia on Raw this week as Bliss won a rare match in front of a hometown crowd. Yeah, I mean... And it was, it was, it was quite a good moment as well. She was like, um, because like, uh, GPD was out there playing a song, uh, Alexa Bliss came out, ruined him, said, like, I'm sorry for... Ruined him. Uh, ru- <laughs> ruined, ruined the moment. Ruined the moment. Uh, don't you dare. Do I didn't, I girl. didn't, I didn't. Uh, ruined Alas's moment and said, look, you know, this is my... I actually passed uh, high, sc- or high school graduation in this here building. And she said, look, there's one thing about this crowd. And she said, oh, H. And the crowd went, I-O. Oh, H, I-O. And then she obviously ran them down, typical Bliss fashion. And, um, yeah, you know, it was it was quite a good moment. No, no, it, it was good. It, you know, it was quite enjoyable. Uh, like I said, I enjoyed McIntyre and, of course, Ziggler winning the tag team titles. Anything else happened to Raw? I can't really remember. Did you see Drake Maverick coming out with the AI? Oh my god! How Have you seen odd! The picture of it? Yeah, no, as <laughs> his profile picture, he's got his head, and like you can see the sides of uh, Razara <laughs> Nakam. And for his cover photo, he's got as Razara Nakam, and you can just see the top of his head. Oh my! It's fucking! God. I couldn't believe it when he did it. It's like sort of kidding, fucking crazy wrestler just got it wrong. <laughs> it started off with Ziggler, Strowman, and uh, McIntyre in the ring at the start of it. Uh, they was cutting the promos. Well, Strowman was cutting the promos saying that I've got my boys now. I've got my pack. Uh, and we're ready to go with the shield. That, of course, brought out the shield. He came down in shield fashion through the crowd. Um, first wave of superstars came out. Um, the shield fought them off. There's about six or seven of them. Maybe about 25, 30. Yeah, at least 30 people. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah the shield fought them off. Surrounded the ring. Out come another wave of wrestlers. They was all fought off as well. And then the Shield made the way in the ring. There was a bit of tussling. And then all of the wrestlers came down uh, and broke it up. And I thought, oh, look, Bobby Roode's got some TV time. No, and I didn't oh, think he was in a tag team match. I was like, oh, look, at least they're using him well. Well, Bobby Roode now is teaming with Chad Gable. We all know that's happening on Raw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. 
Uh, there was something else. What the <laughs> fuck was something else I was going to say? Oh, yeah. Uh, Kevin Owens. He quit WWE. He did quit, yes. Uh, Bobby Lashley was in the middle of the ring with Jinder Mahal trying to get a calming... Because uh, Constable Corbin thinks that Jinder Mahal is... Um, uh, not Jinder Mahal. Uh, Bobby Lashley is just too aggressive. So he tried having a soothing session with um, Jinder Mahal. And then as he was sat in tantric moment in the middle of the ring, Kevin Owens came out and attacked him from behind and started a feud with him. Oh, it's just it's just one of those things that I just didn't want to see. I thought the Owens quit would be leading into something else, not this. I mean, Owens is a dude who just constantly works as well. You know, think all the big bumps he's taken and everything like this. He's not really missed a show, out of, uh, you know, these past couple of years since he's come up from NXT and everything like that. Uh, so that's Raw, but another man who's not missed any shows as well. Me. <laughs> uh, uh, it is the smackery and AJ Styles has closed in on a significant milestone as WWE champion the phenomenal one has been champion for 300 days straight only 8 other superstars have had the WWE championship for 300 consecutive days Bruno San Martino Bob Buckland Pedro Morales Hulk Hogan Randy Savage Kevin Nash John Cena and CM Punk well the next milestone for Styles would be CM Punk's 463 days as WWE champion if you recall Styles began this total reign on the November 7th, 2017 edition of SmackDown Live on the USA Network in Manchester... Oh, fuck, it says it anyway. When he beat Jinder Mahal in Manchester, England, England. As of this right, as of this talking, Styles has held the title for 305 days. Of course, the man who was WWE champion more days than anyone else in history is the late Bruno San Martino. He had the title for a staggering 4,040 <laughs> days. That is 11 plus years during his illustrious career. Beat that. Beat that. And then I'll consider you as good a greatest champion as Bruno Sabatino. Barring any unforeseen circumstances, Styles will extend his streak to 31 consecutive WWE pay-per-view events this month at Hell in a Cell. Incredible by Styles. That was nothing to do with SmackDown now. Yeah, Styles is part of SmackDown. <laughs> Technically, I mean, what did you think of SmackDown this week? Did you watch it? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mixed Match Challenge is back. Yes, WWE Mixed Match Challenge will be returning to Facebook Watch on September 18th, which is a strong indication that Facebook will be happy with the numbers drawn for Season 1. Season 2 will feature some old favourites from Season 1 and brand new teams. Yes, and we have the brand new teams. I can't believe it. Bonus point in line. We'll pick a team right now. Uh, And Season 2... Oh, this is fucking brilliant. So... Team 1, The Miz and Oscar. No, sorry, what team was it, James? Team 1, Miz and Oscar, Team Oscar. Team 2, two. is Braun Strowman and the Beautiful Bliss. Uh, team 3 is Rusev and Lana. Mashka. <laughs> team 4 is Jimmy Uso and Naomi. Oh. We've got Finn Balor and Bailey. Sasha Banks and Bobby Lashley. Carmella and R-Truth, which and I think is just a really weird team. What do you think that's weird? Alicia Fox! And Jinder Mahal. No, and, and Jinder <laughs> Alicia Fox! And Jinder Mahal. We've got AJ Styles and Charlotte Flair. And our last but final te- and our last but no means least team will be Kevin Owens and Natalia. I mean, we look at that, you've got four, five, five teams coming back from uh, earlier this year, five new teams. Who are you fancying in this one, Dan? Alexa Bliss. <laughs> oh, sorry, what team? Yeah. Um, 
Aim. 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 Who won season... Miz and Oscar won the first series. Oh, that was when Oscar was undefeated. Yeah, that was when Oscar was undefeated. That's why I got the and point that's when the Miz was relevant. Yeah, um, so now we've got to pick... What do you mean Miz was relevant? Miz was relevant. <laughs> I'm not going to argue about <laughs> Oh, just keep casting them out and you just hook. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm not going to respond. Um, I don't think Owens and Natalia will be successful. I will no, <laughs> say that um, now. Owens and Natalia. I don't mean Owens and Carmella. No, Carmella's with our oh, truth. Owens. You fucking racist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see colour. Uh, I don't think Carmelo and our truth will be. No, I don't think they'll be great either. I don't think Fox and no. Jinder Mahal will be. No, I don't. Um, who do we think? <laughs> who do? Who? Who do you and who do I? Um, I'm gonna go. Fucking hell! Bonus point on the line for AJ Styles and Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks and Bobby Lashley. Cool. <laughs> all right, there you no, go. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, all right. Fair, fair enough, enough, bro. Enough, Just shaking enough. it. Let's kiss and make up. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So bonus point on the line for that when it starts. So we'll be arguing about that as time goes by. <sighs> Fans will be able to vote and interact on Facebook just like last season. Starting this season, there will be a special pre-show at 9.50 Eastern before the main show kicks off at 10 p.m. Eastern. But this show, it, but this year, it looks like they'll be switching a few W Mixed Match Challenge, something worth tuning into. After all, the last season only featured one match and the fans were expected to tune into 205 Live as well. The Wrestling, uh, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter reported that the second season of Mixed Match Challenge will now feature two matches and will be 30 <laughs> minutes long in a round-robin tournament setting. Now known as just Harper on SmackDown, the former Wyatt family member captured the SmackDown tag team titles with Eric Rowan at WrestleMania 34 but the pair dropped the belts to the New Day just a few weeks ago after Rowan suffered a legitimate injury. Well, nevertheless, fans were shocked when NXT North American champion Ricochet's challenge at the event was answered by Harper, which attending fans absolutely loved as WWE's video shows. I mean, go and check that out. Harper has produced some killer singles matches during his main roster run, including a great ladders match against Dolph Ziggler at the 2014 Tables, Ladders and Chairs pay-per-view. So it's absolutely no surprise to read that the attending fans loved the bout, which Ricochet won with a shooting star press. This may turn into a regular thing for Harper, whilst his partner is on the shelf for at least the next four months. But it's hard to argue that a singles run on SmackDown would be greatly appreciated. Up next, one more match. Well, Michaels claims he remains retired out of respect for Taker, but the dead man isn't convinced. Didn't I text you something about this? Yeah. The Phenom seems to be indirectly challenging his legendary rival to come back for one more match so that he can beat him again. Well, the seven-time world champion said, Respect? Is that what you're saying? Is it respect or is it fear? Because if you'd have ever chosen to come out of retirement, there would have been only one person, me. And make no mistake about it, I will put you down all over again. You know it, I know it, they know it, and there's one thing you're going to know. In Melbourne, Australia, I'm going to put your buddy Triple H down again. And the Antakers already said that Kane's going to be in his corner uh, for the match in Australia, and it might lead to a tag team match in Saudi Arabia. But how much would WWE pay Shawn Michaels, though? Well, they'll pay him $2 million, which is around £1.5 million, to come out of retirement and face The Undertaker. Those are incredible numbers, but what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, first of all, what is the name of the pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia? Crown Jewels. <laughs> <laughs> the Crown Jewels. 
So we've had Great Balls of Fire. We've had Crown Jewels. What's going to be next? Uh, Testies? Yeah, Flaming Anus. Now, I, 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 I know what are your thoughts on Michael's returning. Would you want to say that? As long as it's not awful. As long as it's not, you know, I, I don't know because against The Undertaker, really, I'm sure there's loads of other people that it wouldn't be as wasted against. No, but if it opened a door for his return, then I, I might be for it, considering, you know, maybe Stoles and Shawn Michaels match down the line. But I think Michaels is worried about being the man that he was. If he can't put in the performances, then what's the point? You know, I know he's getting money, uh, but I, you know, I, I, I would like to see Sean just maybe one more match. Just one more match. Anyway, Dan, on to your favourite subject, women. Yes, WWE, WWE have gone full steam ahead, all hands on deck, uh, deck and any other transportation-themed item you can think care to think of with the upcoming Evolution pay-per-view in recent weeks. Parachuting the likes of Trish Stratus into Raw to help promote the show, scheduled for some really weird date in October. Yeah, 28th. The, the best date in October, 28th. Well, 50 stars are slated to appear, including the who's who of women's wrestling history, at least a specific version of history told by the company. So no Gal Kim or Malama Toyota, in other words. Yet, despite the company's best efforts to make the event as prestigious as possible, ticket sales are said to be stalling. Uh, Dave Meltzer said the... How, oh my fuck. Speaking on Wrestling Observer Radio this weekend, Dave Meltzer fielded a question about how the 14,500 Nassau Coliseum was filling up. Well, they sold 7,000, and about 2,400 of them went to scalpers. The building will probably end up full when all is said and done, but it's not nearly as hot a ticket as I expected it to be, and the secondary market is not strong at all. Well, admittedly, the show... Admittedly, the show's over a month away, but selling just under half the capacity with a third low snatched up by resellers is just not a great sign. Meltzer continued. It's much lower than most pay-per-views and it's not a flop, but it's definitely weaker than probably any WWE pay-per-view in a long time. Well, appetite for the show may be tempered by the fact only three matches have been announced so far and the belief that Ronda Rousey is, be waste, uh, is to be wasted opposite Nikki Bella, whatever the reason the struggling sales could have damaging implications for the promotion's continued push of women's wrestling. It's ironic. W finally give fans apparently what they want and what they do, they don't want it. <laughs> but we, we have had a leaked card for Evolution as well coming out. Uh, we don't know if this is 100% true or not. I mean, it's, it's on social media, so how could it not, you know? But <laughs> we're going to just run through the card quickly. Uh, there's a bit of paper that was there. Right, so the matches are for Evolution. We've got Rhea Ripley versus Ginny versus Killer Kelly versus Dakota Kai, and that is the NXT Women's Championship. A special announcement is a segment. Mm -hmm. Then we've got Carmella Talk Show. Sorry, Carmella Talk Show with the Ladies of Glow segment. I love Glow Wrestling. That's on Netflix. We've got the Riot Squad with two T's versus Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Ivory. Ooh. We've got the May Young Classic final. We've got a 20-woman battle royal. The winner faces Kari Sane for the NXT Women's Championship. Oscar versus Ember Moon. Naomi versus Melina. Ooh. Mickey James versus Lita. Kari Sane versus the winner of the battle royal for the NXT Women's Championship. We've got Alexa Bliss versus Trish Stratus. Alexa, Alicia Fox <laughs> and Kelly Kelly versus the Iconics. 
versus Jason Royce and Billy Kay versus Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville versus Beth Phoenix and Natalia for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. Yeah, exactly. A huge news there. We're going to see a Women's Tag Team title. Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair, SmackDown Women's Championship. Nikki Bella versus Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Tag uh, Championship. So that would be the main event. I mean, what do you think of that card, just looking at it there? I think the huge news is the women's tag team titles, if they let them be a part, you know. Uh, I think that will be really, really big news. But you're actually very hyped about this card. <laughs> I'm not. And, it's, you know, it's not the female side of things. But, you know, you're going to have Beth Phoenix and Natalia. And you're going to have Kelly Kelly and Alicia Fox, right? So you know them two aren't going to win because they're not going to stick around long enough to defend the tag team championships. So it's either going to go to the Iconics or it's either going to go to uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Mm. Now, um, you've got a 20-woman battle royal, which is no disrespect, but it's going to be awful. Unless Nikki Cross can come in and save it. And Yeah, unless <laughs> Nikki Cross is there. Uh, but I suppose the special announcement segment is going to be the Women's Tag Team Championship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a bit surprised by Oscar versus Ember Moon as well, if you're going to have that as That much. could potentially be a good match. Mickey James versus Lita, again in a kind of... Veterans. Yeah, that's a polite <laughs> way of putting it. <laughs> Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair has the potential to be good. Yeah. Nikki Bella versus Ronda Rousey is going to be awful. Alexa Bliss versus Trish Stratus, again... You know, it's 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 going to be one of them ones that could be good, could be terrible. Yeah. Naomi versus Melina. That's not going to be that good. Oh, Melina as well has kind of been blacklisted from WWE recent times, so now they're going to bring her back. So Tony Storm weird. versus... No, the, the May Young Classic 2018 finale. Yeah, well... That, we'll that see could what be happens, a good yeah. match, you know, because the last May Young Classic final was very good, so this one could be good. Um... Yeah, I don't have high hopes. No. But we we hope they, uh, you know, something happens on the pay for you, maybe something, a few changes. This is not official card, of course. This is just a leak backstage. But more women and WWE's move to announce team permanent. The company announced Young will replace Jonathan Coachman as the third person at the table alongside Mark Cole and Corey Graves, Corey Graves for Monday Night Raw. She'll be the first woman to announce the show on a full-time basis. It's a move that has seemingly been in the making for some time. Young has been joining Cohen Graves for women's matches in recent weeks and she is part of the May Young Classic broadcast team with Cole and Phoenix. Your coachman will switch roles and become the new host of pay-per-view kickoff shows. Young, 32. So she's not that young. Yeah. She is actually quite young because I'm 32. Well, younger than you, isn't it? <laughs> Same age as me. Young has been with WWE since 2012. She began her career doing backstage interviews and has increasingly become part of WWE Fabric. Her role has since expanded to hosting shows on the WWE Network and the pay-per-view kickoffs in addition to interviews. Yeah, she says, I'm so, so, so insanely excited about this. To be the first woman to take over the chair that so many amazing, talented visitors sat in before me. Thank you to Vincent Mann, Stephanie Mann, Triple H, Michael Cole and Graves and many others, Young said on Twitter. And Renee Young's September the 11th interview with Zelina Vega, who lost her father in the World Trade Center terror attacks on September the 11th, 2001. This part was recorded after Vega appeared on SmackDown last night. Vega noted that this year was the first 9-11 she spent without family. 
She talks about arriving to SmackDown to so much supporting from her fans, including Triple H, telling her how proud he is, and Vince McMahon giving her a big hug before she went out with Andrade Cien Almas. And if you hear about Almas and the reaction he's getting backstage being very well liked, this is a great thing for the 311 boy and Zelina Vega. But we're talking about another one of our, well, he's not one of our guys, but it's a liar. <laughs> the GPD. GPD is back in the news. Well, back in the 1990s, there were quite a few occupational wrestlers in the WWF. These characters deals in another prof- profession, like a garbage man, Duke Drozzi, a tax auditor, Erwin R. Scheister, a dentist, Isaac Yankum, a repossession agent, Repo Man, or a Mountie, <laughs> the Mountie. Yet, for some reason, they all decided to spend their time wrestling in the WWF. Well, Elias doesn't really have much in common with these characters, but there is one central question I often ask myself about the Elias character that I think also applied to all the 90s occupational wrestlers. Why the heck is this guy wrestling? Well, Elias comes out on Raw most weeks, plays his guitar and sings songs with lyrics that taunt other wrestlers or the local town, but he doesn't seem to actually wrestle all that often. The last time he fought on paper was on June 17th at Money in the Bank where he failed to take the IC title away from Seth Rollins. Here's a full listing of his televised matches televised matches and Raw since that date. July 9th, Elias and Corbin versus Rude and Balor. July 16th, Elias versus Lashley versus... August 20th, Elias versus Kurt Hawkins. And that's the complete list right there. Just three title matches spread across 12 episodes of Raw. I'm not stating this to be critical of WWE. If they think Elias' ceiling is that of a mid-carder, then this is, the actually, this is actually the best way to use him. He gets consistently great receptions from the audience, and he can use his heat to help out other stories, as he's done in recent weeks, with his involvement with characters like Trish Stratus and Alexa Bliss. He's over enough with the audience where he was able to smoothly fill in as John Cena's foil earlier this year on the road to WrestleMania. After Samoa Joe went down to injury, Elias is in a good spot and it feels like he could easily take it off Take off if WWE ever decides to give him an upper card push. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I really like Elias and it's a shame he's not being featured more. But now on to Big Papa Pump. And Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner spoke with What Culture last weekend at StarCast. And as usual, he, he's always honest with his thoughts on the wrestling business. He gave his thoughts on All In, selling out in 30 minutes, the G1 Supercard and MSG and a lot more. Well, excuse the language in this, it does get a bit fruity. But Steiner, on his time in WWE, fucking brutal. The two times I was there were the two times I thought about quitting. They're fucking weirdos, man. Right, and this is a guy with surgically enhanced muscles, freakzilla, big papa pump, right? Just bear that in mind. The bullshit you've got to put up with now, and it's worse because you've got one of the biggest cunts running it, Stephanie McMahon. What the fuck does she know about wrestling? That's right. Scott Steiner called Stephanie McMahon a cunt. <laughs> oh, the biggest cunt. The biggest cunt. Steiner says he feels bad for the wrestlers because they get pigeonholed with stupid characters, and that makes him want to do the same interviews that created Prince out for him. It's not my picture of wrestling was, Steiner says. Right, then let's go again. Stupid characters. This man came down with a chainmail gauntlet on his fucking head. He once came out with a tiger. <laughs> That's what I like about him. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> and this is Freakzilla. Yeah. He also said 
that the death of WCW was the worst thing that could happen to wrestling because WWE is better when they have competition. So they're shit, but they're better when they've got yes, competition. Yes, yes. Well, all you need is another big network star, I said, and would be, yeah, it would take someone with deep pockets like Rupert Murdoch, and it would be great for all the wrestlers. All the boys are getting screwed. Independent contractor? Nobody is an independent contractor under law. It's bullshit. We're not independent contractors. They demand too much of our time, and how he gets away with it, I don't know. Right, let me just... So they've bleeped out the bullshit, but they've kept cunt and fuck. <laughs> All right, anyway, yep, can't carry on. <laughs> All right. CM Punk seemed to call any rumours of a potential return to the wrestling ring. Appearing on ESPN's The MMA Show, Punk explained nothing in the sport is drawing his attention right now. It's not even a matter of not going to wrestling because I'm busy doing other stuff. There's just nothing that interests me in wrestling, he said. But then he said he ended it with right now. I can't be with you, James. Right, right now. <laughs> As for why Punk didn't make an appearance at the All In show in Chicago on September the first, he never received a formal offer from Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks. He says I never was made an offer to be there. He said, uh, "Hey, if you want to come, you should come." I was like, eh, "Okay." It's extremely vague. It wasn't an offer. Rhodes told Geary last month he was he vaguely talked to Punk about doing something at All In. But Matt Jackson of the Young Bucks made the pitch to this straight-edge superstar. Well, Matt actually made a full offer for full pitch for his services, and I think Punk is focused on the mixed martial art element of his career. One of the reasons we didn't first come out and say, here's who we want you to wrestle, because I think we just wanted to be part of the event for a lot of fans. He captured their imagination even with the amount of time he's been gone. He has a mythical presence to him. I thought it would be good for him to connect with them, but that's me, you know. Well, Punk was in Chicago the weekend of the event for a personal appearance at Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, Rick Flair, previous reporter, TMZ, picked up on a story that Rick Flair was married for the fifth time this week to long-time fiancé Wendy Barlow at Ceremony North Florida on Wednesday. Woo! In an update, Dave Meltzer reported on the latest instalment of the Wrestling Observer Radio that the two weren't actually married. Instead, the event being a marriage ceremony it was a commitment ceremony i tell you what there's a couple of great videos and pictures out of this wedding right now the the video is michael hayes giving the uh, speech to rick flair and you can see the untaker and everybody like that when when he's talking away in it gonda no it's not about that but um there was something about uh on that mick foley 20 years in hell and he said, uh, he's like, yeah, somewhere out there. Because uh, he said about Terry Funk inducting him into the Hall of Fame. And he said it was short, sweet, to the point. And he says, somewhere out there is Hillbilly Jim still doing his oh. induction speech. Well, anyway, we had a couple of pictures. We had Dennis Rodman uh, alongside the Untaker with Ric Flair as well. And the Untaker had two drinks with him as well. He had Bastard. two drinks in his hand and they looked like shorts as well. Unbelievable. Uh, so we, we, we can go and find that footage. That is there. Uh, on to SmackDown 1000. SmackDown will celebrate its 1,000th episode on October 16th at the Capital One Arena in Washington. And WWE seems keen to pull out all the stops to honour that impressive milestone. Well, numerous wrestling legends have been linked with a stunning return, and one of them is WWE Hall of Famer Edge. The superstar, however, claims he's not aware of any future WWE televised appearances. The 11-time world champion retreated a fan's tweet claiming that a tag team specialist would be on SmackDown 1000, and he replied, Huh, news to me. Huh, news to me. Edge. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, The Undertaker will return for next month's historic episode shortly after his final clash with Triple H at WWE Super Showdown. Some of the Blue Brand's top stars will also be part of the show, such as AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, US Champion Shizuki fucking Nakamura, Samoa Joe, The Miz, Jeff Hardy, Carmella, Oscar, Becky Lynch, SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte Flair, SmackDown Champions The New Day. There's going to be loads of talent there. And Randy Orton. Yeah, fuck him. And WWE legend and Hollywood celebrity The Rock, don't know if you heard of him, was linked with a surprise appearance to the show because uh, it basically named the show after one of his catchphrases. Uh, do you want to see The Rock on SmackDown? No, you're wrong. Shut your mouth. Here comes the pain. <laughs> anyway, on to arrivals. And speaking of The Rock, it's like i done it on purpose. The Rock's daughter looks to be joining the family business sooner than expected. As the WNR can confirm, Simone Johnson is training on a part-time basis at the WWE Performance Centre. Yeah, on the latest podcast, on the latest episode of Lyndon Garcia's Chasing Glory podcast, which, which is the eighth, yeah, best eighth podcast. best podcast, but Chasing Glory doesn't sound the greatest name for a podcast. Selena Vega talked about becoming close with Simone Johnson and revealed the 17-year-old has been training at the PC in Orlando. Was Elena detailed working closely with The Rock during the filming of Fighting With My Family and how Simone gave her the ultimate compliment following a shoot at the Staples Center in Los Angeles. Vega says Johnson told her, I know I wanted to start wrestling for sure where I saw you at Raw doing the movie. Well, sources tell us that Simone has been training part-time at PC for the past few months, mainly just occasional sessions with trainers, but there's word going around that she'll be starting at the facility in a more serious manner in the near future. Since she's still in high school, it's safe to assume that a fact is into her schedule. Well, back in November of last year, Simone, smoke, Simone spoke about being interested in the business. At the time, she hoped to give it a try following graduation from college. It's a sport that is unlike anything else in the world. There's a certain amount of passion that every move and match requires, and it's so admirable. It's definitely something I want to pursue, Simone said. The great one later came out... In, in support. <laughs> I know, but it said... The great one later. The great one later came out in support of his daughter pursuing sports entertainment, saying she'd be a future champion in the business. And if The Rock has something to do with it, she will be. <laughs> she fucking will be. Injuries. While discussing Jason Jordan's status mm. on the latest instalment of Elite Audio, Mike Johnson indicated there's a chance that WWE never clear Jordan's return petition coming off his neck injury. Yes. 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 It's horrible. Yes. Well, I heard there's no time frame on when Jordan will be returning to the ring, if at all. That's why they got him backstage working in production. Apparently, it's a lot worse, his neck, than they thought it was going to be. Well, it's this irony, seeing how he's meant to be playing Angle's son and he's suffering from similar neck injuries. Isn't that a bit weird how, you know, the story plays? It's time for NXT Update and Dan... When does it start? No, it's time for NXT update. And when does it start? Don't say Dan. All right, it's time for <laughs> it's time for NXT update. And Dan, oh fuck, hang on a minute. Come on. It's time for NXT update. And Dan, when does NXT update start? <laughs> <coughs> All right. Oh, for fuck's sake, now! <laughs>
So it's time for NXT update, episode 466, August 29th. NXT is back in Full Sail University this week after wrapping up their fourth NXT TakeOver event from Brooklyn, New York a few weeks ago. Now that the show is back in Orlando, a renewed focus on rising NXT talent, starting new feuds and the mystery over who attacked Alistair Black have begun. William Regal spoke with Kathy Kelly backstage before NXT began and informed viewers that he is now launching a full investigation in order to find out who put Black out of action. Do you want a bonus point on the line for who attacked Alistair Black? <laughs> I know, I, I think Johnny Gagano actually did. Like. <laughs> I, I was thinking towards him as well because the way he's been... I know. We shall see the way he becomes, yeah. It's the dark side. Well, speaking of which, Johnny Gagano comes, came down to the ring with no entrance music while using a crutch. Gagano injured his knee during his last man standing match against Tommaso Ciampa at TakeOver, costing him a chance to win the NXT Championship in the process. Gagano was met with a positive reaction, and he said he did not deserve the chance of applause from the fans. Gagano says he appreciates the fans for always having his back, but he does not know where to go now. He acknowledged that he left Ciampa, he let Ciampa get in his head, and, he even, and that he's even sought... He acknowledged that he let Ciampa get into his head, and that he even sort of became him during TakeOver. Gagano feels that he made some broken promises and he has no idea what's next for his career at this point. Well, out comes William Regal, who asked Gagano if he was the one who attacked Alistair Black in the parking lot at Full Sail. Johnny does not answer, but instead asks Regal to look in his eyes and dis- before that happens, the Velveteen Dream emerges and says that tonight's NXT should not be about a loser like Gagano, and especially someone not even in the building like Alistair Black. It should be all about himself. The man who beat EC3 and made him look like a fool. Fuck off. He got on the ring apron and referred to Gagano as Johnny Failure, which immediately caused Gagano to go after Dream. Regal breaks up the fight and tells Gagano to leave the arena and for Dream to come to his office backstage. He promises to make a match official for next week in order for these two to settle their differences. What happened to the crutch? Oh, the crutch. Johnny Gagano came out with a crutch under his arm and Velveteen Dream was like goading him and that and... Uh, Gagano threw the crutch at him. He said, look, the referee just said I needed the crutch to help me get around on it. He's like, I don't need it. Up next, it's Dakota Kai versus Aliyah or Numf. <laughs> well, Aliyah is back on the show with a brand new and much more aggressive attitude than she has shown in the past. In fact, Numf took a large percentage of this match getting some punches in on her opponent early and taking complete control after Kai missed the dropkick. Do you know, I absolutely love the name of Numph. I'm sorry, but I am always going to call it. I know I brought that before. I always bring it up. What a great name. And it's spelled N-P-O-O-H. Numph. <laughs> well, I've always said it. It's a sound that an elephant makes when he farts underwater. Numph. Numph. Uh, well, the announcers mentioned that Kai is looking to build herself back up after being defeated by Shania Baszler during her first shot for the NXT Women's Championship a while back. A liar gave her boots to the back. <laughs> Numph gave her some boots to the back and dragged her face against the ring canvas for get, going for a pin attempt. After hitting a Fez press, a liar then put Kai in a body scissors for an extended period of time. It looks as there's no way for Kai to get out of this one, but using her great strength, the New Zealander lifted Numph up and rammed into the corner of the ring in order to break the hold and separate her. Kai was then met with a kick in the corner, which almost put the former May Young Classic competitor away. <coughs> Aliyah was able to slam down Dakota and begin doing whatever it took to win the match, including hair pulling and harder strikes. In the end, Kai was able to fight back and dish out some of her kicks, 
before getting the win with a backstabber. And your winner is Dakota Kai. Well, the Velvety Dream finalises next week's match against Johnny Gagano and leaves William Regal's office. The Forgotten Sons trio consists of Wesley Blake, Steve Cutler and Jackson Riker, who used to be Gunner in NXT, uh, TNA, and they are called into Regal's office. They were all present during the attack, but they denied having any involvement. They complain they're not They've been trying to get to Regal to get Regal's attention, but they have got it now. Reasons Regal dismisses them from the investigation, but it announces that they will receive an opportunity to come to compete against an unannounced team in NXT next week. Well, before his scheduled match against Raúl Mendoza, EC3 was found laid out backstage. The suspect here was clear as Lars Sullivan could clearly be seen in the background. Oh no, you've got to watch this bit, Nicky Cross. But honestly, really? trust me, it oh. is fucking brilliant. Well, Nikki Cross was asked about the attack by William Regal next. She said what she saw. She said that she saw the attack and called it beautiful. When pressed for an answer, Nikki, all Nikki could do was spin in her chair and play around with Regal. She answered a non-existent phone call for the general manager until Bianca Belair walked in. Blair encouraged Regal to put more focus on her since she is undefeated and back to competing. Cross asked Bianca if she wanted to play. But Belair dismissed her and walked out of the room. Nikki asked Regal if she had more questions, to which Regal pointed out that he had several more. It was a strange segment, but it was brilliant for the character of Nikki Cross. I mean, you know, just the unhinged psychopath that she is, it was perfect. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Raul Mendoza comes down to the ring, but EC3 does not appear. Said Lars Sullivan returns to the full sail for the first time since his rivalry against Alistair Black earlier this year. Unlike whoever attacked Alistair Black, Sullivan immediately confessed to beating up EC3 backstage. Sullivan said that Mendoza was standing in his territory. Mendoza tried to duck Sullivan and hit a springboard moonsault, but Lars instantly set him down and began punching him repeatedly. Sullivan got Mendoza up for two freak accidents and is officially back in business. Tommaso Ciampa cut a promo backstage using his own camera to talk about the promise that he made when he received his injury last year. Chumper said that he has fulfilled his promise and is now better than ever and also NXT champion. He says that he's not just climbed the mountain top, but he's built a nest there. Chumper says NXT belongs to him now and there's no one in NXT who will be able to stop him. Any- Up next is Keith Lee versus Luke Menzies. Recent NXT signee Keith Lee is back in his second match on NXT programming. In contrast, his debut match against Marcel Barthel this bout was far less competitive. Lee started the match off strong right out of the gate by dodging his opponent and hitting him with a Hurricane Rana. Definitely impressive manoeuvre for a man of his size. He continued his onslaught by dishing out some punches to Men- Next, Menzies got the chance to fire back and show off what he's capable of, but the outcome was never really in doubt here. Lee dodged a running strike for Menzies and took him down with an enormous shoulder tackle. Up against the corner, Lee slapped Luke's chest to both hands and then sat for a powerbomb. Lee got Menzies up and sent it crashing down so hard that the former rugby player bounced back up in the air. Lee earned himself another win with that one. The winner, Keith Lee. Well, only Lorcan and Danny Birch are back on NXT next week. They've been missing in action ever since Lorcan received a broken orbital bone at NXT TakeOver Chicago earlier this year. I cannot wait to see one of the greatest tag teams in NXT. New NXT Women's Champion Kari Sane is back on NXT next week, but her role was not specified. Johnny Gagano versus the Velveteen Dream is also official for next week's episode of NXT. But up next is our main event. It's Ricochet Pete Dunne versus Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. And so here we go. The Unspewed are here in the house. Adam Cole's not happy that he's no longer North American champion. 
wants to make a statement. You look like a complete fucking tool doing Oh, things. you're doing it as well. Oh, yeah, like, fuck, have you got <laughs> photographic evidence? No. So you're just completely... <laughs> you changed your hands then. I didn't do anything, James. <laughs> you would have heard me moving. I clearly didn't move. I've got my... My um, well, you got your dick in, you got your fucking hand, your dick in your hand. That's what you I got. got. My dick in my hand. You need to stop because the undisputed area here, the tag team champions, Roderick Strong, Kyle Riley, and of course former oh Adam Cole, baby. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> my favourite bits in all of WWE. <laughs> It rival is better than burn it down, isn't it? You know what I mean? It is. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but what a matchup this will be. And the Unspewed Era, of course, will keep this uh, two on two. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it is supposed to be handsome Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. But Adam Cole says, I want this match. Well, Cole's. Because I want to wait until people turn their back and attack them. Cole that's is the kind tough. of douche that I am. How great was that match at TakeOver between him and Ricochet? It was good. It was good. It was good. So <laughs> you know that he can deliver in the ring. Now is his chance to shine against Pete Dunne. And Dunne's got unfinished business with Roderick Strong. As Dunne comes running in, Strong catches him straight away. Tries to grab the um, arm of Dunne. Well, Dunne rolling through, nipping up, turning it around, trying to alleviate the pressure. And reverses it onto Roderick Strong and goes straight after the wrist. <clears throat> You've just got to love what Pete Dunne could do. In the ring, and Adam Cole gets the tag in now. And he's stomping down the UK champion. Dunn throws him against the ropes, ducks down low as Cole jumps over him, and leapfrogs him. Goes down again. Oh, and Ooh. just catch him with a thunderous clothesline. Knocks that muggy smugness. Well, Cole in a little bit of trouble now, and what a great tag team Dunn and uh, Ricochet, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it is. Go on, wrench them fingers back, snap them. Well, you've got the nastiness and aggressiveness, the technicality of Pete Dunne, and then with Ricochet, of course, you've got the kind of high-flying. Ricochet wants to get in, Adam Cole runs away like a cowardly little bitch. Adam Cole's not running away, he's going to fight. Roger Strong just tagged himself in, how can he help it? He's going to do it his own time. He ran away like a little bitch. He did bitch. it, Roger Strong for action now. He's like, yeah, Roger Strong, you want some? I'll take you out and all your melt. And Roger Strong goes for the kick, gets caught by Ricochet. He delivers a few right hands of his own. Irish whip reversed. Ricochet flipping over. Calls him out. Rolls through. Oh, and a lovely Hesses' takedown. Nips up to his feet. A lovely high vertical. Lovely high leaping ability. Drop kick there from Ricochet. Ricochet is so impressive and he's getting hotter and hotter. He's unfortunate at his first takeover losing in a ladder match to Adam Cole. But he got his revenge <coughs> against... He well, has... he didn't lose the ladder match. Well, he, he did didn't lose win the ladder it. match. He didn't he win didn't it, win did it. he? Well, no, but he lost. He never lost. He just didn't win it. And now Adam Cole's in, and he's putting a hurt into Ricochet. I can see why you're getting upset now. Uh, I'll just explain to you. So, obviously, there's a match down the road. Ricochet has not finished with uh, Adam Cole, and the same with Pete Dunne as well. And you've got to worry. Oh, nice net breaker by Ricochet. About the unspeaked era. They're getting enemies now. You know, not only these guys, Mustache Mountain, the Raiders will do to them as well. This will be interesting times for the Undisputed Era as Adam Cole wins an exchange there with Ricochet. It's the only thing he can win against Ricochet. Nips up and just clotheslines Adam Cole inside out. Roderick Strong with the interference, distracting Ricochet so Adam Cole can attack him from behind, but that doesn't last long. <clears throat> then Adam Cole gets Ricochet up on his shoulders. Rick with a backslide. 
from Roderick Strong. Good tag team by the Undisputed Era. Ricochet hasn't noticed it yet as the Irish whips Adam Cole, who holds onto the ropes. Oh. And then the Messiah with the bat break is Roderick Strong in there, taking down Ricochet. And it's so effective by the Undisputed Era. Going to put him in their corner, cut off the ring. And work over him. Of course, Kyle O'Reilly there as well. Handsome Kyle O'Reilly. Handsome Kyle O'Reilly managed to keep an eye out on Ricochet. Dunn's desperate to get in and Strong is poking the bear there. He was chopped to the chest by Roderick Strong. Ricochet trying to fight out though. Oh, gets his leg taken down. Strong goes to the back of the head. And that's clever by Roderick Strong. With the strikes backing him up now. And Cole coming in. Nice is it when his opponent is down. <laughs> it's all about the heavy lifting. And that's what he lets Strong and O'Reilly do. So do you think, you know... I think Strong has gained some traction now since joining the Undeserving yeah. Era. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, he was moved from pillar to post, not sure what his uh, goal was going to be. He was in NXT, went over to 205 Live for a little while, come back to NXT, now part of the Undeserving Era. I think this is the right place for him. You know, he's. Uh, I don't think he's strong enough to be his own man, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I think it's worked out well. It'd be interesting to see what happens when Bobby Fish comes back. And are they going to get a tag team with him and O'Reilly? Or are they going to let him maybe have a singles run and Strong, you know, might turn him against him and stuff? And I think the Undisputed Era, even though I know your strong, strong hatred for Adam Cole, I think they've been a good thing for NXT. I, I really do, because it gives us more matches and more storylines to follow as well. The tag team titles needed handle with care after we lost so many great tag teams in NXT. And I think the Undisputed Era have done all right with that, you know. And, and Adam Cole... At least for you, he's losing the big matches. You know, Alistair Black at TakeOver when it mattered, you know, street fight, he, he lost. And against Ricochet as well, you know. So at least I think they're doing the kind of right thing and still kind of looking strong in that way of the Unsputed Era. I still think the NXT do it right because they still look after their faces more than the hills. I think that's, say, it reminds me of old-style wrestling somewhat. You know, Ricochet is the biggest star because obviously he's a good guy. You know, same with Alistair Black. And even Pete Dunne because... Pete doesn't ever officially turn, does he? But the crowd just respect him so much, you know. Well, I think that's, you know, that plays into a lot of it. It's If they get a good response and reception from the fans, then why not make him face? But then, you know, you've got Adam Calder. Despite being a dick, he still gets a, quite a good reception. Yeah. I mean, and that would be interesting if the Undisputed Era was to turn against Adam Cole, you know, or, or have something like that. I don't think they will. They probably want the gimmick on the main roster. But I think Adam Cole... I would want to see him as, uh, yeah, I know you would hate it, but like a face, maybe see if he had a little bit different fire, if he actually brought it in matches, you know, as opposed to kind of being the hilly heel that he is at this moment in time. I think the options are open there. I think it would be possible to do that. And with Dunn, you could see him quite easily, you know, turn everybody in his path as well. And he's done so well for UK champion. And like the match after TakeOver that we watched, you know, with him and... Um, Zach Gibson, just fucking fantastic, you know? And, he, yeah. they, and NXT delivers that, and the fans respect good wrestling still. So if you're a good wrestler like Only Lorca and Danny Birch, you're going to get over with them, you know? But then, you know, you've also got the uh, the Roderick Strong, he was teaming with Dunn. Yeah, exactly. So, you yeah, know, yeah. these two guys go way back together, and then, obviously, that's when uh, Strong turned his back into the undeserving era. Yeah, and we've not really had an official blowout of that yet. We should say in this match at the moment, Ricochet's been worked on the majority of time, but now trying to fight off both Roderick Strong and Adam Cole. Well, he kicks off, he kicks off Cole, elbows, Cole, uh, elbows Strong off, 
Oh. And finally gets across a tag to Pete Dunne, who comes in. He's on fire, baby. Well, he is. Look at the big boot and the kick, taking him down. Back body drop. Strong lands hard. Oh, Arenado goes too over the top with his commentary. Oh, no, we mentioned that. And the right hands by Pete Dunne, jumping over, hitting Strong in the face. Step up in Seguri. Big elbow. Fraden Coley comes in illegally like the dick that he is. You should listen to uh, WR Podcast, find out how to do it right. German suplex attempt by... Strong Dunn lands on his feet, kicks Roderick in the back of the head. And then turns Cole inside out on top of Strong, goes for the cover on Roddy. One, One two. two. Oh. oh, but Roderick managing to kick out. Uh, and now Pete Dunn, he's trying to put the bitter end on Roderick Strong. Here comes oh. Ricochet. Comes in with a lovely spinning suplex. But that gives Strong enough time to recover. Headbutt to the face, knee to the face as well, and then a kick. But can't put him up for a backbreaker. He's got a triangle locked in. Dunn's turned it around, but so lands Strong. Trying for the Boston Crab. Well, Strong with a, uh, done with a strength in his legs. Throws Strong against the ropes and delivers a thunderous German. <laughs> now picks it up again. Powerbomb. Sit, Sit out, Powerbomb. One, two. Oh. oh, but Cole in to break up the pinfall attempt. Well, card getting there now. Ricochet. He's going Sin to... enough now. Oh, no. And after a little exchange, he sends Ricochet to the outside. And now Cole's telling Dunn to get up. Touches his foot. Ricochet off the top <laughs> of a lovely spinning back elbow. Well, Dunn held Alan Cole in position. And Ricochet oh, there. Pushing Dunn out the way of Strong's oncoming onslaught. Well, that was clever there by Ricochet. Now Dunn is going to go flying to the outside. Strong and Cole are there. Oh! Moonsault taking down both Strong and Cole. I mean, imagine if William Regal went off the top rope. This is what we're seeing with Pete Dunne, in a way. You know, that kind of power that he's got. Three men down. Ricochet wants to join them. Oh! oh. They inadvertently drag Pete Dunne into Ricochet's path. Well, yeah, Adam Cole grabs Strong. And now Kyle O'Reilly's got Pete Dunne, throws him in. Adam Cole's got the tag. Uh, it's not the blackout. That's the, the last, last shot. shot to the back of the no. head of Dunn. And that's a victory for the undeserving era. Well, you've got to admit, right, you, no, you, you, every time I say that, you never admit it. That's not bad teaming by the Unspewed Era to cause the, the distraction slash get to the victory there. Well, it is, you know, it is good storyline progression. It's, um, it's a way of evolving the storyline. It's a way of evolving the storyline and getting it going on to the match between Ricochet and Pete down as well. Yeah, well, this is the thing. There, there's trouble brewing there. You want to be a, a proper champ. And now here comes Roderick Strong. He's not finished with Ricochet. And Ricochet's in serious trouble here. Unspeaked there. just about to pick him apart. He just spat in Ricochet's face. Oh, O'Reilly with a knee to the midsection. Backbreaker. And now Adam Cole's going to put your man down. And Adam Cole proves the situation just like now. He can beat Ricochet. On a one, um, James, can you count? Well, Adam there Cole, three of them. Adam Cole just laid out Ricochet. That's what I've just seen. Yeah, after O'Reilly hit him, after Strong hit him, after Cole hit him. Well, no one's out here to save him. Oh my God! Oh, you spoke too soon. And the three members of the Undisputed Era run away from the two members of the Fridge Raiders. Well, I tell you what, those they, they, those two men are Anson like three guys and Roe. 
Well, two behemoths. Very impressive by the undisputed here tonight. Get out of harm's way, but they're building towards their enemy list now. What is your problem with Adam Cole saying that? Well, it's not what he said. It's he fucking <laughs> he put his thumb on his nose and waved his fingers. I mean, he's not fucking six years old. He may be a cunt. <laughs> But that is just taking the cunt in biscuit. Well, I tell you, say, the, talking about biscuits, the War Raiders not only want biscuits, they want the Undisputed Era and their NXT tag team titles. There's unfinished business for Pete Dunne and Ricochet as well as we move on to our next episode of NXT. Before we do that, though, I didn't even talk about match. What do you think of the match? I thought it was a bloody good match, Peter. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it, was, um, it wasn't the greatest side of Ricochet and Pete Dunne. But I think it just progressed on the storyline that's happening between um, uh, you know Ricochet down and the Undeserving Era, as well as Ricochet and down across all bridges, and then of course the War Raiders coming out after as well. Progressed that storyline yeah. that they're pursuing the Undeserving Era and the tag team titles. Well, and, and this is the thing: there's no wasted mo- movement in NXT right now. You know, the, the whole new set of tapings, the whole new uh, kind of machine starts again towards the next takeover, and. Basically, I think we've seen in this episode tonight, set towards matches like the EC3 thing, Lars Sullivan, you know, problems there, Velveteen Dream Gagano. It's all kind of telling the same thing. We want to find out what's happening to Alistair Black. That's all really good at the moment, you know, so we'll move on to our next episode of NXT, which is episode 467, and that is September 5th. Well, no pre-intro scene, as it's right to the theme song, and Mara Nalo, Percy Jackson, Slash watching, and Nigel McGuinness welcome us to the action. It is Cassius Ionone defeats Connor Reeves via pinfall following a rolling elbow. Oh no, he's angry from his entrance on and snaps when Connor goes into his finest shtick. Reeves survives some strikes to fire back and hit an elbow drop from the top, but KO counts a Hawaiian drop for a quick finish. On the mic after the win, he says when he came back, there was a lot of buzz. Until there wasn't. Now he gets it. There's always going to be a new guy getting buzz. And when those guys show up, he's going to be there waiting to knock them back off the line. Wow. And next up, it's the debut of the Forgotten Sons, Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake. And they defeat the Street Profits via pinfall following a knee drop DDT combo. Well, Jackson Ryker accompanies the Sons to the ring. Blake starts with Montez Ford and takes him down. But the comeback comes quick for a tag to Angelo Dawkins and the Profits clean house. Ford takes a sip from Angelo's solo cup and decides to fly. Taking the Suns out on the floor with a tope, Montez controls Cutler and works the arm. But after a standing switch, gets a tag. Blake knocks Ford inside out with a clothesline and that knocks him off onto Cutler's knee and knocks his chains off. Well, the Hills target the neck while working quick tags. Near falls come off a Cutler leaping net breaker and a leg drop on the apron from Blake. Ford eventually gets a tag and Dawkins cleans house with strikes and slams. Cutler takes out Dawkins on the floor by throwing him into the steps. But Montez answers that with a penalty kick that looked to bust Steve's nose. Ford follows that up with big DDT, DDT on Blake, but a couple of masked men run in and try to steal their cup and swag. One of these guys gets got and unmasked. It's shameful of the might distraction sets up the finish. Yes, and uh, Steve's nose does get bust open yeah. as well. <laughs> He's blood pissing out of it. Um, heavy Machinery are interviewed by General Manager William Regal and his lawyer about the Alistair Black attack. Dozovich is freaked out about being under the lights and breaks down and confesses... <laughs> To clogging the toilet at the performance centre. Oh. He explains exactly how those stakes and weights <laughs> cause his bowels and his body to get a shake in. Tucker Knight cuts him off explaining that's not what this is about. Back on track, Regal thanks them for their footage of the parking lot. They say they saw Tommaso Chompa near black after the attack. GM thanks them and they leave. 
Ooh. Well, after a recap of their loss to the Undisputed Era last week, the fallout scene between Ricochet and Pete Dunne is shown. Well, then they'll face each other, champion versus champion, in two weeks, which unfortunately for us is past our cut-off, so we'll be watching it next month on the WWE Net Review for October. Well, the Raw Raiders get how they trash-talk the tag champs. The era of Undisputed is over, but the raid never ends. And Kari Sane defeated Trisha Adora via pinfall following an insane elbow in non-title action. Yeah, the new woman's champ enters, revealing she keeps the belt in a treasure chest. Adora is an armed forces veteran and a Dudley Boys trainee from Washington, D.C. She has a size advantage and uses it to take down the champ early. But Kari avoids an axe kick and quickly takes control. Adora makes the ropes to break a stretch muffler. Sane talks tra- a little trash and gets caught with a forearm. But she sips out of the powerbomb setup and charges up, sliding D, then the end. Well, Shania Basler cuts off the post-match celebration by throwing a treasure chest to the floor. She tells the champ to enjoy a little fantasy because it will come crashing down and it will hurt inside when she uses her rematch claws. But for tonight, she wants to see if the pirate can swim. Basler hits the ring and they're brawling. Shania gets the advance line, but the champ gets back to her feet and catches some strikes, firing back with an elbow strike and an interceptor spear. The Queen of, Spain's backs, Queen of Spades backs up the ramp as Kari declares the belt is hers. And I think Basler using the common sense there because the most dangerous woman in NXT will reclaim her throne down the line. Kari say was lucky at TakeOver. Yeah, you know, uh, Shania Basler trying to attack someone after they've just had a match and yet getting the worst off at the end of the stick and then backing away, you know, it's, it's really big of her balls. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa films another backstage promo. The reason he hasn't been, since, been seen since TakeOver Brooklyn 4 is because he has no number one contender. Gagano is gone. Alistair Black is gone. He is the last man standing. And the reason he films these films himself is because he doesn't want to hear anyone's opinion. He doesn't want to be the voice of the voiceless. He's at the top of the food chain. There are some people out there who hear his message, though, and he wants them to follow his lead. Follow Tommaso Ciampa. Well, Lars Sullivan has talked to Regal and the NXT lawyer. He apologises for the oversight and not reporting to the GM that he was cleared. He asked about the attack on Alistair and he said he was absolutely there to find Black and repay him for breaking his jaw at TakeOver Chicago. But when he found him, he was already down. We can know, we can know it wasn't Lars because if it was, he'd still be down. Just ask EC3. <laughs> Regal says EC3 isn't cleared, but the man Sullivan attacked in the ring is. So next week, it will be Raul Mendoza versus Lars Sullivan. Lars promises to keep it in the ring this time. And up next is our main event, and it is the Velveteen Dream versus Johnny Gargano. Mm. Not only was this an extraordinary match, the storytelling was phenomenal. Yeah, um, it, it comes great as well because, you know, with Velveteen Dream, we've admired what he's done recently, and he comes out wearing a Johnny Failure t-shirt, <laughs> and he's kind of tasseled it and made it his own personal cut, which I think is a good touch as well on the match. Yeah, Gagano slowly sending into madness. Madness caused by an obsession with Champa and winning the NXT Championship. He's taken his eye off the ball far too often and has lost every time, driving him further and further into the abyss. Losing his dream will only make matters worse. You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, Harvey Dent said in the 2008 masterpiece The Dark Knight. Right now, it appears as though Gagano is poised to join the dark side in NXT. Oh, it's great, isn't it? So let's watch the main event. It's my dream versus Johnny Gargano. And look at the shirt, uh, Velveteen Dream, frozen Gagano's face. The thing about the dream, he has got his fans out there as well. You know, there are people that really do like what 
what the dream is all about. And here we go, bell rings. And Gagano is an been angry recently as well. He's using the crutch, but you're saying, telling me that it's not it's because the doctors advised it, not because he needs it. And even though that leg is injured, Dream came off a huge match at TakeOver, getting the victory over EC3. So you've got to think his confidence is full. Nice snapmare takedown on Gagano, just talking away now. The Dream, especially, you know, again with that right sleeve, Gagano's got that symbol on his knee, you know, with the... Uh... With the eye, winking eye and a smiling face, Gagano, uh, Velveteen Dream's got one on his arm, but it's a sad face with the winking <laughs> eye. And it's like I say, it's all the little things Dream does as a character to to get even even the little match. You know, the match is over uh, in, in that thing. We we've seen him do it before, uh, and it is great. And I think it's a character like this would work really well if done right. You know, I can really see Velveteen Dream going far. You talk about characters and that. You know, there has been no better story than the Gagano Chumper story being told in NXT in WWE over these past few years. I challenge anybody to tell me of a better story. And, and there's, we're still not bored of it yet, are we? Do you no, know I mean? definitely not, no. And it is, um, it is what I would have liked Owens and Zayn to have been. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree with you there. It was over before it really started, you know. And then when it came up to the main roster, it didn't really work out. I feel... You know, if the plan is to get Gagano and Chumper together again and go up the main roster as heels, then they can do exactly the same story again. I think it's it's perfect. Do you know what I mean? Like it can continue after the fact as well. So you know, it, it is it, a modern day rock and Austin. It, it really is. You know, the, the story. Whoever's been behind it, whether it's been Seven Dippity or actually the, the planned out in this way, it's worked. You know, and even the injury layer for Chumper coming back is told. Just it got into the story well. And another thing that's happened to NXT is like people like Velveteen Dream have stepped up. You know, people weren't sure if he was going to be able to after. Like I said, people like Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, Nakamura, Samoa Joe all coming out. Who would take up the mantle? Gagano's been there since day one in the dream, you know. is Was he ready for action? And we've seen it these past few months, you know, that he really is. And he deserves to have a main roster shot as well. So, you know, something that... I don't really want to touch on, but I think it's it's quite an interesting point as well. But do you think it's the reason because of these guys, it's kept Adam Cole off the main event scene? I think it has, yeah. I think with Cole, they, they were going to come, I thought they were going to go for the championship kind of way they were doing, you know, with feuding with Black. But Gagano Chomp has been so hot that you, you have to put the title on and tell the proper story there. And I think, you know... It depends how long Adam Cole's down for. You know, now he's lost the North American title. After this goes away, you know, after the Champa-Gagano thing sorted, will he then be the one carrying the title? And another one's Ricochet as well, how long he's going to last. I'll be very surprised if Ricochet went up to the main roster without being NXT champion, you know. And that's not just saying it because we're big fans of him, but it's the same here. I think with Velveteen Dream, he doesn't need the title at the moment. Well, I think Gagano needs that. Well, then again, I always thought Gagano would need a title with. But then but... we put... Alistair Black, we said Alistair Black wouldn't need to win the title, but then he wins it. And, you know, under these <coughs> weird circumstances, obviously surrounding Gagano, Chompery kind of loses it. But, you know, if it wasn't for his injury, what would have happened then? You know, would we have seen the last man standing between Gagano, Chompery, a think... threat match? Would it, you know, could it have been different? I think we would have, it would have been very different. Yeah, I think that this is the thing that. Uh... It is playing out for him and it's helping him that way. And plus, with the amount of talent on Raw and SmackDown right now, 
you know, with the NXT call-ups, do you really need it? There's more time now for wrestlers to grow their characters and, and grow their, you know, everything else style in NXT as we've seen it now. You know, Johnny Gagano's probably been there with Cassie Sono the longest time, and it's how the, the storylines they're telling, people get behind him, people have been following NXT like we have since day one as well. I think it all works out for him. NXT is the best storytelling place in WWE because you've got yeah. to know how to tell Well, it. you know, it's you, you got the two sides of the coin there where you mentioned Cassius Owen. I mean, he's kind of fallen down the pecking order. He's, you know, he's going against Connor Reeves. He's, I know he's still getting airtime, but he's he's not really in the main picture. Whereas Johnny Gagano, I mean, you know, he's either main event in takeovers, main event in NXTs. He's there or thereabouts in the storylines. I mean, Gagano has kind of turned into the John Cena of, of NXT in that way, in a weird way of kind of being the face. Like, no one's headlined, uh, I might be wrong, but, you know, the kind of four takeover events like Gagano has had. You know, all this year, he has been the face of NXT, and there's no you know, arguing about that. Going against CN, Chumper, you know, it, all these things are kind of paid off for him. And, and even with Alistair Black's, his NXT talks, as, as big as it could have been, because you've got someone like Gagano there as well. And like I said, you want to take time telling us. Interesting thing in, in this match, it's not kind of been the hardest hit in action. You can tell they're probably taking... It, not easy would be the right word, but not hitting it as hard yet. You know, we saw a bit of the aggression, from, the new aggression from Gagano on the outside, kind of staring at Dream. You wonder every time he stares at Velveteen Dream, is he actually seeing the face of Tommaso Ciampa as he runs him in the barricade? But then Dream slowly is taken over, using submissions to kind of wear Gagano down. But you know Gagano's got fighting him. You know he's not going to tap out to these submissions. So it's the Dream basically kind of playing like a cat plays with a mouse. This is kind of what the Dream sees at this moment in time. He can manipulate Johnny Gargano. Well, currently the Dream hasn't got anything on his mind. You know, he's taken EC3. EC3's out of the picture. He's lined up with Lars Sullivan. <clears throat> you know, you've got Velveteen Dream. His only focus... Is on becoming number one. Yeah. Owens, he sees Johnny Gagano as the main threat to becoming number one competitor for the championship or, you know, becoming number one guy in NXT. So he sees he's got to take him down, you know, and slowly but surely. Don't call me Shirley. Velveteen Dream's going to try and climb to the top, you know, and to try and get to the top of his game and to the top of NXT. And we've not seen Velveteen Dream, like I said, fully focused on going for the NXT title. And he's still young and he's still learning. Gagano trying to make a slight comeback. Stopping it. Goes to the second rope now. Going to come down on Gagano. Gagano tries a suplex, but he's blocked by the Dream. Oh, turns it around. But Johnny Gagano turns it around as well to a bit of a neck breaker. I know he's got a separation and maybe the tides are turning in this match. Well, finally, a little bit of offense for Gagano. He has been beaten down these past few minutes. He's yeah. been beaten down for his past few years. Yeah, to be fair, we don't give out the Johnny Gagano war for most punishment for taking the match. Johnny Gagano, second rope, low kick to the face. Nice Hurricane runner on Velveteen Dream. Step up in Seguri, sends Velveteen to the outside. Is Johnny wrestling going to go Johnny flying? Well, he's always going to take that risk, but sees Dream coming back in, lands on the apron. Oh, but springboards his way in, or propels him, catapults himself in. To spear to the midsection, goes for cover, but Velveteen Dream managing to kick out. Oh. And how close was that? Dream nearly, nearly conspire. Fuck it. Dream nearly gets caught then, and Gagano with a chop to the chest for VD. Irish whip. Oh, and Dream flips over the top rope, lands on the outside of the ring apron. Gagano comes charging in. Well, Dream goes up, but Gagano comes running across the apron. 
Dream do- Dream do- drops down. Hits a super kick, sends Dream to the mats, and then just comes flying off with a plancha. <laughs> takes down VD. Well, <laughs> all or nothing, and he hit everything then. So the super kick, Dream lands on the on the mat. It's like a blockbuster plancha. Right on those mats. And how thin are those mats now? Those mats are wafer thin. We've sat ringside at NXT, and I think they're thinner than the ones at the WWE main stage. Front row at NXT. Front row yeah. at NXT. Not that, I don't want to, <coughs> you know, but... If you're going to do it, do it. And Dream is dropped now in the corner. And you hear the dueling Velveteen Dream and Johnny Wrestling chants. Dream manager to Irish whip Gargano in the corner. Well, Velveteen Dream comes charging in, but Gargano lifts his legs up. Velveteen hits the second turnbuckle. Johnny misses his uh, roll-through kick. Velveteen hits. Is that famous or a leg a joel a famous, uh, yeah. Okay. Goes for the cover, but Gagano managing to kick out. Oh, that's how close that was then. And the dream, <laughs> very innovative. Fucking never and, be able to say that word in my life. And dream's very innovative with his offense. We're not sure what he can do. Gagano over the back elbow, up to the second rope now. Gets caught by Velveteen, though. Looking for oh, a maybe. Scorpion Deathlock, no, but rolls him through, catches him, looking for the purple Rainmaker. Backslide from Gagano, rolls him up for a cover. Two. Oh. Velveteen reverses it. Oh. And only gets a two of his own. Two. Dream was desperate there, trying to reach for a vote for advantage. Gets kicked in the face, but responds with a big boot. Oh, and a spinning discus lariat turns Velveteen inside out. Gagano just lays on him nonchalantly. But Velveteen managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Reverses it. Yeah. yeah, reverses it. And Johnny Gagano goes down. Velveteen goes for a cover, but he only gets the two. Two. I've never seen a kick out so hard turn into another cover. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty hard kick out. This is awesome chance. Right, again, I'm not going to argue with the NXT crowd. I would argue with a lot of them. Uh, but I I'd say it, this is epic. This is, like, this is good. It's good. It's warming up, you know. And Gagano, rose, right, bleh, Gagano goes to the apron. Looks like he's going to go up top. Velveteen's recovering, though. Grabs hold of the leg of Gagano. Both men are on the outside. We've seen what happens when you're on the outside with Velveteen Dream. So be careful, Johnny. Well, he knows his way around the ring as Gagano striking Dream. And now he's in a precarious position, but boots in the midsection of Johnny. Oh. Like a double boot for both men. Oh, no, he's got that spinning Death Valley driver. The purple Rainmaker on That's the edge of the ring apron. Purple Rainmaker's the elbow, isn't it? Gagano goes down, tries to sunset flip Dream. Dream dodges it and then sends Gagano right into the ring steps. Throws him back into the ring. And now he's going to try that spinning DDT. Goes for the cover. Gagano's down, surely. Oh, don't call me Shirley, but he manages to kick out. Ah. Uh-huh. Well, I can't believe Johnny is still in this match. And a huge NXT chart breaks out. And our dream working a leg of Gagano. Of course, he injured it himself the last man standing. Now, Velveteen Dream's got to work over the leg. Still chance of Dream, still chance of Gagano. Gagano's serious trouble now. That leg wrapped up in that rope. Dream taking it to a different level now. We talked about this in his quest to become NXT champion. Picks the apron and Gagano step up into Guri. But as he cuts the springboard in, Dream catches him with super kick. Velveteen's going up top. 
Oh, looking for that elbow drop off the top, but Gagano moves out of the way. Velveteen hits the hardest part of the ring with his elbow. Gagano comes out flying, sends Velveteen up the ramp. Did he hurt his knee on the flight? Well, his knee's been injured these past couple of minutes, but he's now got a mad look in his eyes. He's going to go for the Gagano escape. The Dream can tap all he wants on the outside. It doesn't matter. Referee's telling him to take it in the ring. Well... <laughs> <laughs> referee's counting out Gagano we've not seen like this before lost it got mad look in his eyes far away look in his eyes I think he realised he could be counted out up to nine and the dream's in just and Gagano looks furious as he looks to put away Velveteen Dream now oh my god he's trying to hit him DDT well this is hit by Champa and I call sex offenders in the past Oh! I didn't know you've done that move. Hey! Super kick by Gagano. Well, after Velveteen Dream was holding on to the top rope, preventing Gagano from dragging him in for that draping DDT. So Gagano hits a super kick, turns it round. He's got him draping off the edge of the ring apron. He's got. He's going to hit it onto the wafer thin mats on the outside. Referee's telling him not to. He's got Menard. Referee's saying, if you do it, I'm going to call for the bell. And Johnny's struggling with himself, with the crowd, his personal conflict, and he doesn't want it like that. Into the ring. Yeah, it doesn't look like that, Johnny. It's not who you are. And he's going to a fan of his and saying, come on, that's why you're a fan. Johnny freaking wrestling sign. Well, he's reminding Johnny who he used to be. Oh, Gagano now rolling up the knees. Now he's, he's going to take him down. Dream shouting, you're a failure. Johnny failure. He's had his disappointment. Gagano shouts, saying, no, I'm not. Takes down a knee brace. Oh, no. Catches him. Rolling Death Valley driver. One, two. Oh, my God. Velveteen Dream beats Johnny Gagano. Velveteen Dream's number one fan <laughs> next to an Everton fan. My God. I cannot believe it. The Dream picks up two huge victories in the space of a couple of weeks, beating Johnny Gagano, the former number one contender, and now surely... Don't call me Shirley. Velvety Dream's got to be number one contender, hasn't he? He's got to be up there in the, in the conversation. He has indeed, yes. And every time Gagala takes it off the ball, he gets caught. Dan, what your... I thought it was a bloody good match. Again, you know, it plays into the storyline of what's going on. It is, you know, kind of highlighting Johnny. He's been called a failure. He's saying, no, I'm not. And then he fails at this. You know, he's kind of wrestling with his own personal demons. Is this going to be the straw... That breaks the camel's back. I, I I feel it might be. I know I've never seen Johnny Gagano like this being caught out. Dream gets the victory. Very very impressive. I think it was a good match towards the um, later stages. I could have done with a little bit more here, but I still think it was good. And the fans chanting Johnny failure along with Johnny wrestling, and all the fans slowly turning against Johnny Gagano. Johnny failure. Johnny Wrestling, do we really get to a point in his career where he's got a question what his motives really are? Maybe I'm saying, sorry, little man, I'll let you down. Well, Gagano is upset. I wonder what's next for Take Johnny. That... <laughs> no, I'm not going to say No, don't. Take that child into the ring and hit the Gagano escape on him. I wonder what's next for Johnny Gagano. He's not going to walk up the ramp. He doesn't deserve the ramp walk. He's just going to walk past the commentary team. And then, na-na-na-na, hey-hey, goodbye. 
this is a guy they absolutely loved. And now because, what, he's a loser, because he's changed, the fans can't get behind him. They're trying to push him over the edge. Either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself turn into a villain. So let's move on to our last episode of NXT, which is episode 468, September 2018. Well, cameras catch NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa heading into the building for his first appearance in NXT, since NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. They tried to get aware from him, but he remains silent as he storms past them towards the building. And up next, we're going to get returning Oni Lorkin teaming up with Danny Birch, one of our favourite tag teams, going against Adrian Giroud and Cesar Bononi. So we're going to start this one off, and it's Birch and Giroud. Giroud's a, a big man. man. And these two are um, both Brazilians. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting little fact. Well, I know we're top to start. Obviously, Birch. not only Larkin and Birch, because they're British and American. Yeah, Catley, um, the Am UK connection. Yeah, that's the catchy name, isn't it? Look how good Birch is. Headbutt to the chest. No, they are one and two. <laughs> one and two. You, you hear the crowd. They start chanting one and two. Step off his guru by Danny Birch. He started well. Looking to get back into uh, title contention. Missile drop kick and then nips up to his feet. Nice by Birch off the second rope. Looking to go back to challenge the Undisputed Era. Of course, they've got a target on their back with the Wall Raiders. Now here comes only Lorcan. Let's see if he's 100%. Double suplex. Well, Benoni comes in, but he doesn't want any of Lorcan and Birch. Borkin and Lurch. <laughs> <laughs> Working as a great tag team. Double chops. It's good to have them back. As Birch now trying to get Giroud down. These two guys, they've impressed us since making a debut. And what was it? The Tag Team Classic, wasn't it? No, it was, it was even just... I th- it's just they just came together. They started fighting each other, didn't they? They had the great <laughs> matches against each other. And then they're kind of a bit like Sheamus and Cesaro in that way. The respect for one another became a team. And like I said, they've not got the biggest personalities, but there's just something about them that is just so likeable. Yeah. Benoni in at the moment, and he's in charge now on Danny Birch. But Birch managing to try and fight out, but unsuccessfully gets the knee to the gut and thrown into the corner of the blood. Well, you can see the bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu from Benoni there. You can see with the throws and a few of the kicks. And he's going to be telling Drew exactly what to do in this one. In Brazilian. Well, this is the perfect thing as well, so the referee doesn't know what they're talking about. I'm sure Danny Birch hasn't learned... Uh, Brazilian, you know, he's, so he won't be able to tell. He's an intelligent fella. Well, Portuguese as it is, and Benoni with a kick to the face of Birch goes for the cover. Oh, but Birch managing to kick out. Ah, and now Benoni got the arm of Birch. The crowd trying to get behind him. Benoni Irish up the corner. Birch catches himself, rolls under the legs, tags in only Larkin, and uppercut City. And he grabs his face. I love this move as well. He grabs the face of Benoni and slaps him a few times. Delivers a thunderous European uppercut. One for Giroud. And he's just going crazy on a pair of them. Oh. Bang! Blockbusters for the both. I tell you, only his uppercuts. Got to be got one of the best in the business. There's so much fire. Tags back in Birch. One and two. Now look at the finish yourself. Birch pick him up the suplex. Drakes him into the DDT. Oh! Spiked DDT from the two. Okay. Turns him man. over. Two, three. Now in London, I was going to say. One, two, three. One and two. Gets the three. There you go. Tag team match with a Birch and Lorcan. It's great to have him back in it. I've got a smile on my face. Yeah. 
I've not had a smile on my face in a long time. I got one now. Very impressive. Let's hope they can come back into tag team competition. One and two. Well, NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa comes out of the ring with actual entrance music that starts with a heartbeat that flatlines. Ah, the black heart. Well, Ciampa says the music is a personal message to the audience to shut up. He says he's heard the rumours that he took out Alistair, but when he wants to attack someone, he does it on the biggest stage so you can worship your master. Chumper says he won't lie because the champ never lies. He says he planned on taking Alistair, but someone beat him to it. If he knew who they were, he'd pat him or her on the head. He says if Alistair made it to Brooklyn, the results would be the same. He wins. Chumper says the title has something it wants, the title has something it wants to say, and that it felt really good to be back in the main event of TakeOver. Chumper says he has one final thing to address, and he wants everyone to listen. The fact is, if you want to be a success, a winner, or a champion, follow the lead of Tommaso Chumper. Chumper goes to the kid who Johnny spoke to during his match, takes his Chumper suck sign, beats it up, tears it in half, and throws it back at the kid. Oh, thank God it's just a sign, which range the years. I wouldn't be surprised he picked up that child and hurt it. But Chumper is, is, is laser-focused now, and everything... That, uh, you know, what I can see, but the promo and everything I've seen from Chumpa, all he cares about, his number one goal in life now is that NXT Championship. He's got no other factors. You look at Johnny Gagano with the fans or, you know, Candice LeRae and other things. When Tommaso Chumpa, his number one goal, the NXT Championship, I can't see him losing that any time. Up next is Shania Baszler versus Violet Payne. Yes, the crowd with a Shane is going to kill you chant. Payne is immediately taken down. Basler swings away and stands back up. Kick to the chest. Basler wrenches away on, Page, on Payne's arm. One way and then the other way. Basler then stands on her hand and kicks away her arm. Basler with a rear naked choke and that will end things in a hurry. Basler hangs on for a bit long and Payne passes out. The winner, Shania Basler via submission. Post-match, Basler decides to lock her finisher one more time and Payne passes out again. Referees finally get her to stop. Oh, one more time. Pain is out again. Bazler then dumps her out to the floor and heads up. Well, heads moments, off. moments ago, Heavy Machinery were outside and were on the case to figure out who attacked Alistair Black. The two believe Chumper did it and Chumper happens to walk by. He approaches them and says if there's something to say, say it to his face. William Regal suddenly shows up and his happy Chumper finally decided to show up. He wants Chumper sap. Looks like we may see Chumper versus Otis down the road. God, Dozer. Well, backstage, the undeserving era talk about the War Raiders. Roderick Strong says they can't hide from these guys. O'Reilly says he's too famous to hide. He can't even go grocery shopping these days. Adam Cole notes, next week it will be a North American champion, Ricochet versus NXT UK champion Pete Dunne. It doesn't matter who wins, though, because the winner is eventually going to face him. Yeah, but he deserves it because he's a cunt. Well, he's the former North American champion, Dan. So, former. you know, he deserves his uh, contractual rematch at some point. And if, if Ricochet can beat Pete Dunne, then all the titles will be on the line. So it, it just, it's just what happens, isn't it, you know? Up next is Lars Sullivan versus Raul Mendoza. And, of course, Mendoza's been upset about being beaten up by Lars Sullivan recently. And Lars is making his return to in-ring action and he's already mocking him of course we've seen uh, Lars Sullivan was he involved in the Alistair Black attack we know we saw the clip of it no he just easily took out EC3 instead well he did say that didn't he he said if he's going to attack anybody he'll do it to their face 
Uh, even though he tacked EC3 from behind, you know. Well, we don't know that it was from behind. We haven't seen a video of that. But EC3 might have just shat himself and cried on the floor while Lars Sullivan beat him up. Well, I tell you, someone who's not doing that at the moment is Raul <laughs> Mendoza, who's headed right into Lars Sullivan. So you've got to give credit for that game right to the beast, trying to hit the drop kicks, trying to work the big man down. I mean, that is the strategy, isn't it? Trying to chop that redwood down. <clears throat> yeah, but I don't think these kicks and punches are actually... Um, affecting Sullivan. I think they're just pissing him off. And Lars Sullivan's going to find that out very shortly, I believe. Lars Sullivan's going to find out he's pissing him off. And he pulls Mendoza yeah, Mendoza's going to find out that I think you're right. I Sullivan think off. Sullivan is annoyed right now. He grabs Mendoza, throws him back in. By his head. Do you think that's it for Raul? <laughs> no, I don't think he's going to get much more offence in. <clears throat> Lars Sullivan's only been beaten once, and that, of course, is from... Alistair Black, oh my God. And the bill then by Lars Sullivan throwing Mendoza. Mendoza all the way across the ring. And again, throws him from pillar to post, from one corner to the other. Well, Mendoza could be on 205 Live, you know, he's in the Cruiserweight Classic, but he decides he wants to be in NXT and he's stepping up. Well, Mendoza's going to get thrown to 205 Live. <laughs> oh my God, Lars Sullivan just collapses the chest of Mendoza. <laughs> and just throws him to the centre of the ring. He's just toying with his prey now. He could finish him at any point. Lars Sullivan knows this, and I think Raul Mendoza's going to find out very shortly. Well, if I was Tommaso Ciampa, I'd be worried about how good Lars Sullivan looks at the moment. But Mendoza might pull Sank out. Well, he tries with a chop, but that just pisses Sullivan off again, and he just gets a clubbing blow to the head and just turns him inside out. Well, at least Mendoza tried. He did. He did indeed. And now he's getting his head ripped from his shoulders. Unlike EC3, who's just cowering about home. Well, EC3's recovering, isn't he? I'm sure we'll see him again. Mick Foley was thrown off of Hell in a Cell through an announce table. He was chokeslammed through it and still managed to come out for the main event. EC3 probably got slapped twice and he's crying at home into his soup. Well, the thing is about is a lot more uh, doctors now backstage, a lot more medical tests that can stop people coming out and actually performing. You look at Daniel Bryan with a concussion that he suffered. So there's a lot of stuff now that they try and look at and the doctors might be looking closely to Raul Mendoza at this moment in time because he's in serious trouble with Lars Sullivan but does get out of it. Jawbreaker now. See, Raul Mendoza's been on the punishment end of Lars Sullivan, and yet he's still got fight in him. EC3 gets a couple of slaps and he stays at home crying. Well, it was clever by Mendoza there, dodging out of Lars Sullivan, who came running in, hit the ring post, shoulder first. He's got the kicks, tried the Irish trip. I don't know if that's a great idea, but that oh, was nice. So, yeah, slips through the second and third rope. He's a step up in Seguri, rocks Lars Sullivan, springboards into a drop kick, hasn't dropped Sullivan. Well, he's barely going down to one knee. Mendoza could win this. Oh, my God. There Bang. you go. Pop-up freak accident. Like, pop-up power slam. Yep. Big power there. And now I think it's for the freak accident next. Well, he's just going to rip Mendoza's head off. Oh, my God. Just clubbing booze. Come on, ref. Call this. Not even an eight for the punishment EC3 took, and yet Mendoza was still able to try and fight back. And now Lars Sullivan picking him up. Freak accident. Slams Mendoza down. One, two, three. I don't think anybody can stop Lars Sullivan after that. Very, very impressive for the big man here in NXT. I'm in the top one, 
press no because he's not going to come out. Well, two weeks ago, we see Ricochet and Pete Dunne lose to the Undisputed Era after Ricochet mistakenly hit Dunne near the end of the match. Well, earlier today, Pete Dunne is asked about his upcoming match against Ricochet with both turtles on the line. Dunne says Ricochet has a piece of gold that he wants and has only had it for a few minutes while he's been the longest reigning champion in WWE. His biggest biggest issue is figuring out how to put two cocks in his mouth, two titles in his mouth. Well, backstage, Kathy Kelly asked Ricochet about Dunn not worrying about the match because Ricochet has only been a champion for a short period of time. Ricochet reminds him that he's been in high pressure situations situation for the last fifteen years of his career and fully plans on walking out with both titles next week. Well, we get a forgotten son's vignette about being abandoned once they were used up, as we see three of them alone. They were gathered together and they are not alone. They will be heard. Well, last week some students have been interviewed and suddenly, Schnumpf, Lacey Evans start drawing with Deanna Pruzzo and Dakota Kai. Pruzzo says this is a problem. They can handle things right now. But Evans and Numpf say no thanks and head off. Well, next week it is Lacey Evans and Numpf versus Dakota Kai and Deanna Pruzzo. Well, William Regal's office, they're just finishing up talk with NXT Women's Champion Kari Sane. She heads off. In comes Cassius Ono in a Cesaro Tyson Kidd shirt. Ono said he's here to talk about the attack on Black, but Regal said he's not to speak with him. Ono seems almost bothered by this, but Regal says Saint just gave Ono an alibi, so he's good. Ono talks about being a bit annoyed that he's been forgotten about when every new shiny toy shows up in NXT. He then lets Regal know where his latest toy shows up to let him know, bro. Obviously a reference to Matt Riddle. Ono giving us some Hill vibes in that segment, but up next is Bianca Belair versus Nikki Cross. Let's go. Bianca Belair's undefeated. Nikki Cross is crazy. Uh, Bianca Belair's undefeated, Dan. Tell me something about Nikki Cross. She's crazy. She's crazy. Hooch is crazy. She looks all right, though. She's got a... Um, I like the look of Nikki Cross. I wouldn't say no. Look, look, this is going to kick in. <laughs> I, I was shitting her cunt, you know. I was, I was shitting her cunt. And Bianca Belair saying she's the established one here in NXT. Bianca Belair with a long hair. And Nikki Cross just shaking it, ready. It'd be really annoying if this went to a double count out or something. Oh my god, look at the power of Bianca Belair, like pushing away Nikki Cross. And Hi, just, Bianca. Just weaves up Bianca. Couple of blows dodged and rolls up, goes under her legs. And knocks Bianca down with a scream. Nikki's fucking crazy. Nikki with a go behind pushing Bianca off. And Belair, I think, has definitely got the power advantage. Shoulder block down, and that was nice by Bianca. Little cartwheel. Nikki's very impressed by that. <laughs> she just crawls underneath Bianca's legs. Monkey flips her over. Oh my god, head scissors teeth, dude. Now goes behind, jumps on her back. That's how I get most of my women jump on her back, make them go to sleep. Oh, Belair, like fighting off Nikki Cross. I think the winner of this could potentially be next in line after Shania Baszler, of course. Look at Belair, pressing into Nikki Cross. Shoulder blocks, picking her full body weight up. Now she's got her in a bear hug, trying to shake the crazy out of Nikki Cross. She's going to have to <coughs> shake very car there. Looking on, Nikki Cross with a headbutt. Oh, my God, going up from behind. Trying to get sunset flip, but Bianca grabs Nikki. Throws her face first into the corner. But Nikki responds, coming out of the corner with an elbow. Nice power there by Belair, though. P- catching Nikki Cross and then Gorilla pressing her. 
Oh my god, huge power there, froze on the floor. And spanks herself in delight. Well, she's the established one. Here we go. Oh! Went for the splash, but no one was there. She hit Matt. Now Nikki trying to recover. Trying to wheel herself back into this. Oh, lovely diving cross body by Nikki, but she don't want to go for the cover. She's ra- bounce. Yeah, she just wants to bounce Belair's head off the mat. Two clotheslines and a fez press. Or well, pissed on fire. And now into the corner, stomping the mud hole, walking it dry. Just Carl's losing a little bit of control this at the moment. And Bianca Belair is probably wishing she never took this match up as Nikki Cross with a stinger splash. Now Nikki's going up top. No. Some more intent with headbutting the top turnbuckle, though. We've we already seen it once. Are we going to see the Nikki Cross body? No, Bianca Belair rolls in the apron. Is that going to stop Nikki? No, she <laughs> sweeps her legs out from Belair. Traps her in the ring apron and just starts clubbing away at her chest. Oh, my God. <clears throat> well, Nikki loving her work at the moment. Blair's gone missing. Oh, Belair like, sends Nikki into the stairs. Black first. Uh, back first. Might hurt kidneys and wogs. Oh, and then whips Nikki across the stomach with her hair. Is that not a disqualification? That's a weapon. Well, Nikki seems to get pleasure out of it. No, Jess Carr counting and cross-stopping Bianca Belair getting in the ring. This looks painful. And now she's got the sleeper hold on her. And she just splat Nikki Cross up against the metal entranceway. Jessica Carr counts both women out. Well, that would be a pin when her hair's draped across her. One, two, <laughs> three. If they don't do that, they should. <coughs> and that would be brilliant. My God, both women counted out there. Dan, what did you think? <clears throat> you know, this is kind of protecting both women as well. You know, Nikki Cross is on a bit of a hot streak. She's crazy. We've seen her smiling as she gets choked out by Shayna Baszler. You know, we've not seen her back out from many challenges or any challenges whatsoever. And, you know, Bianca Belair, I don't know what the hot biz about her is, but there's something that NXT love about her mm. and they're clearly protecting her as well. Oh, well, now she's recovering and beating the hell out of Nikki Cross. Sends her into the eighth, and this fight is not over at the moment. We're going to have a last woman standing match between these two. Well, we've seen Nikki Cross do it before. The official's down here. You need more officials than that. And Nikki Cross is going crazy, chasing Belair out of here. They're up by the announcer's table now. Oh, my word. And both women going hell for lever at each other. Bianca Belair, though, might have a slight advantage at the moment, just beating down Nikki. That man can't get his camera out fast enough. She breaks free from it, though. And she's going to send Nikki Cross into the announce team. Well, they all scramble away. <coughs> I wouldn't turn your back just yet, Bianca. Oh, my God. Takes out. Well, I know, but Nikki Cross is alive. And she's on the announce table. Ah! <laughs> Flying crossbody takes out Belair, dancing ref and Jess Carr. Oh, my God. And she's loving the damage she's just inflicted. Well, don't doubt Nikki Cross is crazy. And we end here <laughs> with a lot of this. Dan, what have you thought of NXT this month? It's been entertaining. It's been great to see the return of uh, Only Larkin. Um, you know, the uh, the fallout from what's happened as well. It's it's all been, yeah, it's all been good. I've, been, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Some great matches as well. 
Yeah, no, NXT has been good this week. Only three episodes that we have watched. But like I say, next month, we're going to bring you Pete Dunn versus Ricochet, which, I mean, worth the price of admission alone, even though we don't charge for podcasts, you know? So that is it for NXT this month. Like I say, we'll be back next month. Uh, and next month's show, we've got Cruiserweight title on the line, which is going to be Gulak versus Alexander. And we're going to have UK champ versus North America champ, Ricochet versus Pete Dunn, plus a lot more. Our next episode will be Hell in the Cell. We are looking forward to that. That will be the WNR179. But that's it for today, WNR178. And don't forget you can follow us on Twitter, at WWE Network Review, or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins. We're also across the Google platforms. Send us an email at WNRpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook? Yes, Facebook. Come and find our page and give us a like with the WWE Network Review Podcast. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDam. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE Network Review Podcast there. Uh, podcast got the same time on YouTube as do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. Don't forget, don't forget to subscribe to our Music Maker Diddly on SoundCloud. We're on Spreaker Radio. We've got live shows coming in November. Stitcher Radio and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. But that is it. Like I say, Hell in a Cell is next. I have been James Rollins and as always, always joined by... Damn right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And bye. Bye. <laughs>